0: Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman.
1: Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Not Tom Brenneman. Trace Fowler, pinch hitting for Tom Brenneman. Tom will be back in tomorrow, better than ever, with some news to share, I'm sure. But, for the time being, it's Tuesday and we have a lot to talk about. And by a lot, I'm sure that it will go off the rails at some point. We won't know what we're talking about. We have two things planned. Well, three things, actually. One, is I'd like to discuss some of these analytics and some of these decision-making. Um, I don't want to say fools. That's not the right word to use. But some of the, some of the intellect I've seen on X.com, some of, the, some of the, the rationale as to why you make these decisions that Dan Campbell made, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some buy or sell. And they wanted to do a helmets ranking. We'll see if we get to the helmets ranking. If we do, if the first pick... You're going to have the first pick. I'm going to have the first pick. That's breaking news. So that's going to make me actually have it. See, here's the thing. Everyone thinks that I'm, not, I'm a Bengals slappy, but I think the Bengals might have the best NFL helmet. So that's one of those things where people might think I'm being a homer when I say that, or I'm trying to win some brownie points. I'm not. I think the Bengals might actually have the best helmet. We'll see if I draft them first. I might leave that to the other Bengals... Uh, faithful in here but that's here nor there this is off the bench presented by united dairy farmers we come your day come your way every single day monday through friday from 10 hey. to 12 hey. and as always if you want to listen in podcast form which i know i've seen the numbers many of you do many of you do you can see that and not by see i mean but hear and listen on spotify apple Google, and then after that, it's like less than 2% of people that listen on different platforms, but they're on all the other platforms regardless. I just wonder how those platforms make it, you know, like how are they in business? Because if your businesses have people listen to podcasts on your platform and you have less than 1% of the entire world listening on it, it seems like a tough, 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 tough business stretch. But before we go any farther, let's talk about Dan Campbell really, really quickly. No, I no, know t-
2: before you get in, Oh, before you oh, get in, oh, Oh. I just want to say something from the oh, bottom yeah. of my heart. Trace <laughs> this Cameron is going to be a bit. <clears throat> happy birthday. Happy birthday, Trace
0: Fowler. Let's happy sing. Happy birthday. Let's hey, sing ready? for Wait, a while. Wow. Happy birthday to you this is great happy birthday to you we get a little this is actually time. better than i thought happy birthday dear boss,
1: boss man nice
0: happy
1: birthday to you We didn't get you a cake. And I'd actually
3: actually like to be the first to wish you a happy birthday.
1: (laughs) Elliot, you were. Without question. (laughs) Just wanted to make Um, sure. You know, it's a funny thing. Every single year, I forget that it's my birthday until I wake up and my phone has a bunch of people wishing me happy birthday. And then I realize, oh, today is my birthday. Um, Everyone has one. I've always felt like that. Um, (laughs) I don't know how (laughs) special it truly is. Um, Everyone has a birthday. But the thing about birthdays, when you get a little bit older, I've come to realize at least I used to brush them off i really did i used to just not care at all um but when you get a little bit older you realize that you know uh, it's not a guarantee that you get to be here every day and it's a little bit of a stark reminder sometimes that hey i am getting older there are decisions that need to be made that uh that maybe instead of pushing it off i should do it so i've done that over the years gone and done things that i perhaps thought i would wait to go do and um, not that this needs to be some big philosophical thing, but sometimes you just shouldn't wait. Um, I do think, I, not to get us off the rails this early in the show, but I do think um, we're going to find a way to do some kind of spring training content. Um, I, So I, if, I, if we're being honest, I thought, okay, me, Nick, maybe one other person that could help us film, we'll go out there. If we can get a sponsor, we'll take the whole crew, whatever it is. But we're going to go out to... So Goodyear, Arizona, and uh, cover the cover basically the Reds and sports, if you will, while we're out there um, as good as we can, because more times than not, really, there's no digital media when it comes to spring training coverage. But then I was like, you know what would be really fun is if we is if we took our van cave, which is basically just a Sprinter van for those that haven't seen it, and we we're just we just take it out there. Oh, God. We just take it out there, baby. So I, I go to Google maps, no free ads, but that's where I went. And I punched in Goodyear, Arizona, and then I hit current location. Start drive or whatever it says, get directions. It's never good when it doesn't even tell you the hours, right? It's one day, (laughs) two hours. Oh no. But. I'm still thinking about it. I will say though, when I looked on uh, Google, no free ads, but they got one. I don't think Google needs ads anymore. But point is, uh, I Googled flights. It was like round trip from $150. This wouldn't be a money saving tactic to drive. This would just merely be the fact of You would would spend a lot more money. It's (laughs) content. Yes, we'd be spending a lot more money, if anything. Obviously, you have hotels, you, you have gas, 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 you have the wear and tear on a vehicle, all those things, right? But I do think there's something in my heart of hearts that says if you make a big deal about it and you just drive and you stop in the most random parts this country has and you just start doing shows out of the backyard of Billy's Barbecue in <laughs> Oklahoma— there's something to be said about that content. I think that that it might actually be better than just being like, "Oh, we're here at Goodyear, Arizona, covering the Cincinnati Reds."
3: I agree with you, but I think you're forgetting the most important thing, which is our mental well-being. And I think, like, and again, if me and Casey are in the same van for a day and a half, and Casey keeps calling the Kansas keeps calling the Kansas City Chiefs the Kansas Chiefs, it's it's one of those things where if I hear that like more than seven times on a road trip. I'd want to jump out of the van and roll onto the dirt. But, you know, and again, Trace, I love Trace, he's my boss. But again, what if he starts yelling in the van? What if what if it becomes a, a a work situation, an unpleasant work situation, a hostile work environment? There we go. We found it. And and, and it becomes troublesome. What happens then? Well, you know, what, this where, isn't much of a— Where's the HR department in the van? That's the, the thing
1: about chatterbox sports. See, everybody loves chatterbox sports. Yeah. But the reality is there's there are some downsides here. One of them is, is there's not some of those types of things that you can get at a corporate— organization, like an HR department, right? Yeah. If you got a problem, you let everybody know you got a problem and we'll figure out if we can figure it out. And if not, then you can go back to the place you were at before that has an HR department. They might pay $7 an hour and 1099 you and 1099 you. And by the way, you might have to work weekends, nights, and all the, and all the bit. And they're still getting no credit and still get not, not appreciated. So if you want that, I'm sure we can still line that up, but I just think that there's some... There is some part of me that thinks that's the right move and a better move, a better move. And I don't know if I'm this cruel, but a better move. And Reed knows this because he's seen it. We could convert the back area, a bed. We could just sleep in there. Oh we boy. could just make that one really big reality TV show. Playing with, this is a this the is smells? the best reality TV show that would would occur in a 10-day stretch.
3: Could you imagine the smells?
2: I would love to. Cuddle I with think Elliot. you got you would like to what? Cuddle with you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll do it with you, but it's going to be weird. I'll I listen, I you? what?
2: You'll do it with me? Yeah, give me some give me some
1: yeah
3: um yeah I'll do it hey, hey you just put me in a van
1: for this, a this, day. The, this is the thing that's funny with you Elliot is that you sit here and you act like you have a choice I mean we could I could say hey Elliot uh guess what the job calls for what the job calls for and that is getting into this van and driving all the way across the country hey, do you want to do it or not if you don't want to do it that's fine here's uh here's a here's a Kroger bagger uh uh q a they'll, they'll they'll take you next week if you'd like it if yeah. not you could I don't know, just go to spring training. Well Is that how high is that is that well, how high you've come, Elliot, in society no, that that come, you're just I like, think, you know what, I don't really want to go to spring training. I don't I that's I, beneath I just think
3: me. I mean if, if it comes to paying hundred fifty dollars for a plane ticket, or if it comes to driving in a van for six hours with all you people and twenty 26 26 <laughs> <26 hours. laughs> six hours. What did I say? Six. Oh I meant, <laughs> six okay. hours would be a delight. Twenty six hours, that sounds like my fun. bad.
2: Uh, yeah, but there, if it comes to that.
3: that, I just, I just pay for the ticket myself and, and I'll meet you guys down there, but I'll tell you what, if we're doing it as a team and we're all going and we're all stuck in the back of a van, I'll do it. I'll do it with the people.
2: Let's talk about some of the, the fame stops along this route. Cause yes. I have it pulled up right Please. here. Um, one stop that we, we certainly could, could do is uh, Effingham, Illinois, F-ingham? Effingham, Effingham, Illinois. That. Um, after we get through St. Louis, we'll go through the, the home of ragtime music, Joplin, Missouri.
1: Some are saying we should, have we should stop in East St. Louis and do a show there. Yes,
2: East St. <laughs> Louis sounds f- familiar. We will, we will go through a couple of different countries on our route there. We will go through Cherokee Nation, um, okay. Osage Reservation, Muskogee um, Nation, and Seminole Nation in Oklahoma as we go through Tulsa, Broken Arrow, Amarillo, Texas. This sounds like, I don't know, this sounds like a good trip. We get through New Mexico. We also then go through Navajo Nation. So we'll go through some different countries on the route.
1: Now, some are asking in the chat, what happens to OTB? I, well, I don't know. That's the part of this that I'm not sure. Maybe that's where it just turns into me and Nick, and we we gut it out, and we take it on our own, and they stay back, and they do OTB, and you know they laugh at us when we're basically just upset at ourselves. The reason I'm really close to not doing it has nothing to do with the drive out there. It's that I am very concerned that I would genuinely lose a van. See, what would happen is, is I would drive this van all the way out there. And if it showed me any troubles at all, I would just get a one-way ticket back to Cincinnati and we'd leave that thing back out there. And we'd just – maybe we could scrap it. I'm not sure. But I put – I say I, but there, there's been a lot of work that's been put into that van. I don't want to just give up on it but, it. but it would be very tempting to think that you have to drive – my, here's my two options, to drive 26 hours back with a van that's not operating the way it should, or do I just fly for $115 back home and just say,
3: Yeah, see, that one sounds it. like the better option. That one sounds like the, the thing that we could all do. We could all get in, get in a plane comfortably, have toilets and all that, uh, you know, and, and soap, and, and then we go from there. I, I, the van thing is promising. It is promising, but I'm very concerned that we need each other alive.
2: Big love p- brings in some good points Reed's acting like he's going I don't know how much fun I'd be on this trip to go watch the Cincinnati Reds play in spring training maybe if we we stopped up to Mesa Arizona um, yeah I'd be a lot of fun also there is some Miami sporting events that that need to be broadcasted mm, so oh. I probably won't be there anyways so.
1: interesting it's good that's 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 a good way to get out of it right. is to say that you actually have work to do around here maybe there is I don't know but I do know that's in my head it's a, part of, it's, a part of, uh, it's a part of the agenda items that I need to run through in the next few days of what exactly we're going to do.
3: I think it would be funnier if we all crammed inside my 2003 Chevy Impala and we tried to drive a day in that thing. See if it lasts. Honestly, it would be a good test to just see how far it can go without just dying.
1: Well, for a guy that doesn't want to drive with us, maybe that's what we do is we actually just put you in front of us. Okay. And you see if you can make it. And then if you can't, we'll pick you up.
3: Okay, that makes sense. I like that. I- I'm down. I'm, I'm going to go in the van. I'm going to go in the van.
1: Okay.
2: I'm ready to roll in this van. Here's the one thing. If you guys do drive, so you will go fully through Oklahoma. And I worked with a guy that lived from Oklahoma, and he told me that there is a casino every 20 miles in Oklahoma. Okay. So you guys will have to play blackjack at every casino. One hand. One hand of blackjack at every casino you go through when you go through Oklahoma. Could you Mm -hmm. imagine that content? You start with 100. You put it down at
3: the first casino. Boom, you roll it over. You lose Boom. 100. Well, in this scenario, you're winning it. <laughs> uh, and then you keep rolling it over. And by the last casino, you're, you're a multi-million, you're a regular millionaire. And, and I think that's really what this could be. It could be us becoming millionaires. And then also Red Spring. Tournament. Are you
1: allowed to video at, at, at uh, casinos? I assume that you're not, right? I
3: think you're allowed to do it if you're not playing at the table. I think you're allowed to do it yeah. if you're behind, um,
1: behind the person. It's the casino ladder challenge.
3: Casino ladder challenge. Gotcha. This, that's great
1: right well it would ultimately wind up and losing a hundred dollars without question but maybe not they're, maybe not as i was reminded about one year ago today we did have the best gambling day of, of at least sure. three of our lives uh elliot wasn't here yet and that's unfortunate but um, it is unfortunate but we did have one grand time out there at some random casino in kansas city so shout out to them you read you remember the name of it uh, the Ameristar. The Ameristar. The Ameristar in Kansas City is
2: on its deathbed because of us a year ago. There are 18 casinos from Joplin, Missouri to Oklahoma City, which is wow. about a two hour drive.
1: Wow. <laughs> now we're talking. What's Eight? Now, Eight? now we're Casey, talking. Casey, do the math
3: for me 100 rolling over 18 times.
1: Uh,
3: I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. That's a I'll figure lot. it out. Okay.
1: Uh, sports, sports, sports. We've been talking about sports, but not really. Uh, Dan Campbell. Obviously, this has been discussed at length on different talk shows. It's what's talked about on this show yesterday. Um, this is not the easiest thing to figure out, which is why there's not one one common, one very clear belief by everybody. Right now, you're going to get the 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 people that make something out of nothing all the time, no matter what. So I can't say a hundred percent of people believe, but if you walk outside, most people would agree that the sky is blue more times than not. You're never going to get us in a situation in sports ever again, where you have people believe whether you should go for it on fourth down, kick the field goal, whether you should bump runners over who you should hit in certain parts of the batting lineup, whether that matters or whether it doesn't matter, you're going to have people that quite frankly, don't agree on any of these topics. But if you really break down the football game that was the Lions with their chance to get to the Super Bowl for the first time in history, we can all agree that they had chances to win the game by making plays. Of course, every team can do that. In fact, that happens sometimes. And nobody talks about the decisions that are made by the coach. There's certainly Major League Baseball games that are going to happen for the Cincinnati Reds this year. They're going to win. 14 to 2 or they're going to lose 14 to 2 and no one's going to say anything about what decisions david bell made or he didn't make now if they lose 14 to 2 there will be a few that probably sit there and act like david could have done something but all in all a coach's job more times than not a great coach and the difference between a good great and bad coach more times than not are the decisions that they're able to make when it's actually time for them to matter in regards to game decisions, of course they matter. Of course they're, the program that they run matters. Of course what kind of you know personnel that they have matters. All of these things matter, we can agree on. But what we can't agree on for some reason is that there's this difference between, and again, when I say these things, it doesn't mean that you have to be in that pool of people no matter what. I think there's times where you can be a part of the analytics crowd, but also be a part of Um, I don't even know what the, I guess the non-analytics crowd is the term that I guess I'll use in the short interim here. But you can be a part of both at certain times, yes. And I think we can, most rational, most level-headed, most intellectual people agree that using data is a great thing. But the one thing that it seems that some of the analytic folks never want to admit is that this game is played by human beings who are not computers. It's not an algorithm that is guaranteed to be figured out because humans mess it up. That one simple thing takes away at least a sliver of the argument that that some of you, and I'm not talking maybe specifically to you, but some people out in the universe seem to believe. There's this thing called momentum in sports, and I'd like for us to at least on the on the analytics side of the aisle to admit that there is something called momentum. Now, if you want to argue, they could have kept the momentum if they got the first down, and if they'd have kicked the field goal, they would have probably. When they say probably, by probably, it was definitely. Uh, we'll get into the kicking the field goal here in just a second. But if you want to argue that, well, it's not a guarantee that they had have made the field goal, this, that, and the other. Okay. When you start to do that, though, is when I know you just don't want to admit that it was a bad decision. When you want to start suggesting to me that an NFL kicker is going to miss a 45-yard field goal more times than not, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. The kicker that would've walked out there for the Lions, okay? Hadn't missed a kick all year, and yes, I get it. He's only kicked four times. But the reference point that everyone wants to make back with the analytics is that it kicks that he was missing back in 2020. It's 2024! If Joey Votto walks to the plate, in 2024 for the Toronto Blue Jays or maybe for the LA LA Angels or whoever it is. Do you think that you want to pull Joey Votto's statistics and what he did four years ago as a reason as to why you want to put him in the spot that he's going to be in now? Of course not. If I go out in a first game of a a basketball season, and for whatever reason, mentally, I'm not there. And I miss 12 free throws in a game in a row. I go 0 for 12. Let's just say, for instance, I don't get fouled that many often, and at the end of the year, I'm 12 for 24 from the line. I haven't missed a free throw, by the way, in a month and a half. But I'm a 50% free throw shooter. Am I really a 50% free throw shooter? At some point, can we at least admit that human beings, in general, aren't just going to be a math problem? They can't be. And without question, the one argument I have is that if you're going to decide to go for it on fourth down, with the opportunity to go up by three scores, with about, I think there was 22 minutes left in the game, You were going to go up by three scores with 22 minutes left in the game and you decide you want to go for it. And you want to go for it, by the way, to give yourself an opportunity to do what? To get themselves in a better position to kick a field goal? Is that what the goal was? Because you're already struck gold a little bit in the first half. Let's be honest. You scored 24 points against a team that hasn't given up 24 points all year but three times in a full game. And if you're the Lions, you have to start thinking to yourself, you know what, we're, we're kind of playing with house money here. This team's given up the least amount of touchdowns all year long. Is that not part of the analytics? Is it not part of the analytics that you're going up against the baby? If it's not the best defense in the NFL, it's certainly top three defense in the NFL. And yes, you had your way. But I would also argue, the last point I'll make about the whole fourth down thing is that the game is officiated differently on fourth down. If it's fourth and two late in the game, you're not going to get the same calls as you would get on third and two in the middle of the second quarter. And you know why? Because human beings are being the referees. Because they don't, and unless you're the Chiefs, and again, I get it. That was a little bit of a jab. I don't mean to do that. But unless you're the Chiefs, usually they don't throw flax. And they have lately in the NFL, and we all hate them for it. But again, we—I would—I would agree with the people that want to argue and say, "Well, what about Reynolds' drops?" Of course, yeah, you're right. And and, and certainly, if uh, if Jared Goff didn't miss Jameer Gibbs in the back of the end zone when he was wide open, that probably makes a difference too. If Moody doesn't come out and miss a field goal to start the game off, that probably helps the 49ers. And sure, you could sit there and argue to me, well, what if the 49ers kicked a field goal and their kicker missed it? Why, why don't you think the Lions uh, field goal kicker could have missed it? I certainly do. But the, there was positive momentum going into that. You've moved the ball down the field. You've moved the ball down the field and you got yourself in a position to get points and you come away with nothing. If you don't think that psycholog- psychologically affects a football team, then I then I don't know what to say. Then, I, then it's just a mute point because we can't have a rational conversation. I just want some of the analytics folks to come out and say, you know what? I believe in momentum and there's times where you probably should do things that don't go against the numbers. And why numbers, by the way, more times than not, the argument is is that is a delta of 5%. More times than not, they're saying, well, 52% of the time, instead of 48% of the time, this happens instead of this. Well... If that's the case, then why don't you do this? Go down to the casino. Watch watch the roulette table. And as soon as you're at the roulette table and you see it hit black two times or red two times in a row, you know that the statistical probability of that next roll hitting black or red again is not is definitely not 50%. It's certainly less than 50% because we know over time one number is going to hit the same as the other number. And then they throw the green in there. Yes, I get it. That's your house edge. But my point is, is that for that individual role, we all know it's less than a 50% chance for it to hit red or black. Big numbers play out. But the thing is, is we're using big numbers, right? In situations that aren't big numbers. Guess how many times the Lions are going to get a chance to go to the Super Bowl in your lifetime? How many times? Are you going to argue it's more than five? How many times has it been since I've been alive? I'll tell you. One time. They went for it on fourth down two times. If they were going to go for it on fourth down, why didn't they go for it on fourth down when it was fourth and two? Why'd they take take the points earlier in the game? And the last boneheaded decision that Dan Campbell made, and I love Dan Campbell. But he he just made some bad decisions. Why Why would you want to run the ball on third down and then not even have a play ready for fourth down so you burn your time out and then you turn around and you have nothing to stand on if you don't get an onside kick? That's a terrible decision. And I love Dan Campbell. I like everything he's about. I genuinely do. But to defend him and sit here and act like he wasn't in the wrong at all is crazy talk. It's borderline insanity. It reminds me of the same people to finish my point. That if you were in a major league baseball game and you're in the world series game seven and you're up by three runs, maybe four runs, and you got runners on first and second with nobody out. It reminds me of the people that say you're not supposed to bunt there. You know why? Because more times than not, you're going to eliminate yourself from the big inning. The big inning doesn't matter anymore. It, the, 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 no time and score. Understand the game situation. Understand the magnitude of just simply exiting an inning without getting any runs at all. Get one run. And who gives a damn? Keep the momentum, keep everybody's spirits high, and just trust the fact that you're going to be able to go out there and shut the game down up by four. You don't need to be up by seven or eight. I digress. I don't really understand why we can't all agree that certain situations are different than others. And the math, just because it might give you a slight edge, isn't the right play. Because you're not going to go down there to the casino and put your mortgage on black after you've seen it hit red twice. Why? Because you know, well, realistically speaking, we only got one shot at this. And just because the math says it's probable doesn't mean I should make an irrational decision. My, and that's where we're at.
3: My my biggest issue was everybody uh, on X.com and, and various places saying, uh, you know, Michael Badgley, he, he wasn't a great kicker, right? He wasn't a great kicker from from 40 yards in his career. Yada, yada, yada. If that's true, and from from our research, our, our intensive research before the show, it was really one bad year is, is what everybody's talking about, and that's what mm-hmm. Trace alluded to. He
2: really hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities. Not
3: a, not a whole lot of opportunities. If that's the case, if you don't have trust in, a, in your kicker to make a 48-yard field goal, that is a front office decision, that is a coaching decision that needs to be fixed before the conference championship game. If you are if you are rostering a kicker that you don't have any confidence in, that's on you. That's not on the kicker. That's on you. That's another one of your choices that you've made up until this point. If you only trust them for extra points, you're not putting in your you're not putting yourself in a great position to win. It's 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 preposterous. And like Trace just said, the 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 inconsistency of kicking a field goal right before the half, and I and I and I'd argue that it was probably easier for them to convert that touchdown than it would be to convert a fourth and three. It was shorter yards. But Dan Campbell knows you go up three scores against a Super Bowl favorite 49ers team. I don't understand why it changes. I don't know understand why it changed. And the other thing is, well, Dan Campbell's done it all year. Dan Campbell coached them out of that, uh, the the Cowboys game. And you might say, well, Elliot, they got screwed. They did. 100%, without question, the Lions got screwed in that game. Right. Like- but let's not pretend that it makes any sense whatsoever to go for two on your own nine-yard line uh, with, with a chance with the one seed still with 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 the one seed still in uh, uh, with in sight. It's preposterous. It's absolutely preposterous. I like Dan Campbell. I think he's fun. I think he makes football fun. He's not like a, a Mike McDaniel. He's just a he's a big silly dummy, uh, and it and it gets all the football guys riled up. He's a football guy. But if you sit back and watch that game, and you can, you can point at the drops, and you can point at the Jameer Gibbs fumble, and you can say this, and, and Jared Goff might have not, not had the tightest spiral in the world, but Dan Campbell absolutely coached them out of that game. You can love Dan Campbell, but he coached them out of that football game.
2: What was the biggest play, do you guys think? Was it one of the field goals? That they didn't take was it? Was it? What was the biggest play of the the
1: game? The, the moment where? And again, you knew that I was riding on this uh, bet about as big as one could. And 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 the moment that I felt like I had a chance to win the bet again, and by win the bet, the Forty ers were just going to win the game, was when they decided to go for it on fourth down, up fourteen. It was fourth and two or whatever, and the Niners got that stop because the 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 chances of being able to do at that moment in the game the 49ers had scored 10 points in the game right 10 and for all for all respect the lions defense as much as everyone made it out to be that they're not good this that and the other sometimes guess what you can play over your head and i think that that's a real thing there are times where teams will for whatever reason they have a number they're feeling good they're positive they have they have they have whatever it is you want to call it. they have the mojo they've given up 10 points all game And if you make them go up to where you're telling me they have to score at least 17 to tie the game, they had to score 21 to win in the last, what it was, 22 minutes. That's incredibly difficult to do. There's zero margin for error at that point for the 49ers. Zero margin for error. They would have to get a stop every single time from there on out, and they would have to score on every possession from there on out. That's That's where they were at in the game. When you get that stop, and again, the field goal I get, it's not a guarantee. But when you got that stop, you just think to yourself, hey, there's seven minutes to go in the third quarter. We go down and score. It's a one-possession game. That's mightily different than being up by three scores, in my opinion. I don't know what the math said, but I think that was the biggest decision. Not well, the one at the end of the game. Well, no, all I'm, that, I'm not but, saying
2: decision. The biggest play of the game was Jameer Gibbs fumbling.
1: I agree with that, that yes. that's
2: the, That was by far the biggest play of the game. You know, it came one drive after. At this point... The Detroit Lions have had their way with the 49ers defense. Even to that turnover on downs, they marched it right down the field. And you know what? Uh, you didn't get it. Niners have all the momentum in the world. It's now a one-score game. Lions, can, can you keep can you keep pushing them back, right? Can you put the pressure on them? And the first play from the line of scrimmage, you hand the ball off to your first-round draft pick and Jameer Gibbs, and he fumbles the ball right out. No doubt. Four plays later, it's a touchdown tie game.
1: 100% was the biggest play of the game, I agree, yes. The biggest decision that I think was was misconstrued was the decision, obviously, to kick. But here's the thing with that fumble is that you also know, don't, don't you like, I don't know how you guys feel when you watch a football game, but maybe I'm like, uh, maybe I'm, I'm weird for doing this. But there's times where I, I, do the, I do the math too, right? I think to myself, the Lions scored 24 points in the first half. Like am I am I supposed to believe they're going to score a half a hundred on the 49ers? Am I supposed to believe they're going to score 40 plus points against the 49ers? Like I know in my mind at halftime, it's like this thing's going to tighten up a little bit. I don't know if they're going to actually win, yeah. but I know it's I know there's going to be kind of a a moment here in this game that the Niners could have said they had a chance to win. They could have they had a chance to at least tie the game. And I just think that every time from there on out when you have that big of a lead, getting points is unbelievably important. If you look at all the great comebacks that have ever happened, I think, in the NFL in general, I think back to the Falcons, yeah. I think back to the Bengals, and I obviously you can look back to this game because I think it was the biggest comeback in for, at least 49ers playoff history. I think history, it's NFC, NFC history. NFC
2: championship history.
1: Um, they all have one thing in common. The common thing is is that the other team stops scoring points. And when I say stop scoring points, they don't score any more points. Right. That's the only way this works. Like if if and again, it sounds dumb, but like if the Chiefs just kick a field goal going into the half against the Bengals, I don't care what you say. The Bengals' morale going into the half is not the same as it was when they got that big stop. They're like, "Okay, we're down, but we got something." And if you want to convince me that the Falcons just can, can move the ball just enough to kick one field goal in the second half, they probably beat the Patriots and then obviously yes, I think if the if if the Lions kick a field goal they win Casey
0: the one thing that just bugs me about the whole thing that that first turnover on Downs where he should have kicked the field goal made it a 17 point game again. If they, do, if they do go down and score a touchdown, it's still a three-possession game. They still have to do it three times in a row. You are still in the same spot, theoretically. So it doesn't make sense to even go for the touchdown there because there's too much risk, at, in my opinion, there's too much risk involved. And the 49ers still have to go score three touchdowns in a row.
1: Correct. So it
0: just doesn't make any sense to not kick the field
1: goal. The only argument that one could make that I would say, Casey, that they could they could get me on their side a little bit would be, hey, we wanted we went for it because we felt like we felt like we wanted to make an easier field goal. The argument to me that you were going to go down and score again, they scored three touchdowns on a team that gave that gave up 30 touchdowns in the entire NFL season. Like, that has to be a part of your brain calculus. Like, I don't know. How come, and again, maybe they won't do this anymore, but how come in a, in a big-time baseball game, when you have two guys on the mound that have ERA, sub-three ERAs, what's everyone say? Runs are a premium. We just need to get a couple runs. And that's the truth because you know, inevitably, there's not going to be a whole lot of runs to come by. There wasn't a whole lot of points to come by in this game. At least you so thought. And then all of a sudden now you're kind of, you know what it is? It's the same thing we all do as humans. You start to get a feel for yourself. You do the heat check in basketball. You shoot a shot that you probably shouldn't shoot. Why? Because you're hot. You're feeling good. You're going to why not just throw a double down on the blackjack table when you're actually up a little bit of money? It might not be the right bet, but you know what? You're feeling yourself. Let's just see how much we can get away with. It kind of felt like, let's see how much we can get away with. And they found out. And you can't convince me otherwise that Dan Campbell didn't make decisions. I'm not saying he lost them the game, to be very clear. He didn't make decisions that cost his team a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I thought uh, who was it John asked a good point. why is there always su- a big sudden change after halftime? Well, Sometimes as I, as, moronic is, as moronic as this is as moronic as this is and this is where I think you can go both ways. I think some of it just has to do with sheer math. Some of it has to do with the fact that it's just it's just tough to score points in the NFL. It's just like baseball. How can you score 14 runs on Saturday? uh, Saturday night at, at eight at eight, whatever it will be from seven to 10 o'clock at night. And then you come back the next day on a Sunday at one o'clock and you score zero runs because over the course of a season, and of course, big numbers, they always play out. Yes. Which I think is some of the reason as to why I'm just going to take what I can get after I know that I probably in a position that I shouldn't be in in the first place.
2: You to your to your point um about the the 49ers defense yeah they they'd only given up 30 points this season twice and no offense to Jared Goff but it was to to two elite quarterbacks one being Joe Burrow of course
1: right and Lamar Jackson i give so. Joe Burrow credit for that
2: <laughs> i feel like there are times though and again
3: this is this is the way the the sports world has gone it's gone to the analytics side but i really do feel like the when it when it comes time to Winning a championship when, it, when it's crunch time, when it's when your season's on the line, on the brink, are you going to trust the numbers? Or are you going to trust yourself? Or are you going to trust your gut, your instinct? And I think it should always be your gut. It should always be your instinct in those moments. It should never be analytics. It should never be numbers. I think analytics and numbers are great throughout the course of the season. I think they help you get to where you're at. But when it's when it's time to to end your season, continue your season, season's on the brink, you trust yourself. You are, you are responsible for the team, and, and Dan Campbell didn't trust himself. He trusted the numbers. And maybe you could say that's trusting his players. Yeah, maybe I think could, that's well, a fair point,
1: too. You could say that he trusted Jared Goff more than he trusted a kicker that's only kicked four times all year, and he would have rather, like, if he came out and said it, and he wouldn't do this because you're throwing your kicker straight under the bus, but you could make the point to me, you know what, I, if, I, if I'm going to go home I'm going to go home off the backs of Jared Goff in this offense instead of a kicker that's only kicked four times for me all year long. Now, I would argue that what's the point of having a kicker in the first place if you're not going to utilize them? But that's that's a fair argument to make, though. Like, not a great one, but a fair argument to make. Well,
2: like, I, the best argument that you can make against Dan – Like for Dan Campbell in this situation, because I think we all see what happens and we all have hindsight about how the game ended up. You're like, yeah, those two field goals would have been very nice. The best argument that you can make is like, this is how the game has been played the entire year. Like we are bashing, absolutely bashing the Baltimore Ravens from going away from the way that they have played, which is a run heavy offense, right? Mm -hmm. They've completely went away. The best teams win championships playing the same game that they played all year. The second that you start mixing it up and start playing a different way. So like to Dan Campbell, you keep going, you've got to trust your gut. You've got to trust your instinct. I, I imagine Dan Campbell's instinct was the reason that they did go for it. Right. I don't think, like, I know that the analytics say to go for it, but I, I think at that point, Dan Campbell had already instilled in himself in his gut and in his instinct that, hey, we're going to go for it here. Like that's, that's the way that he wants to play the game. That's fine. And that's fine for the first one. But for the
3: second one, it's inexcusable. You've already you've already lost it. I don't I don't understand the rationale how you could possibly think because you lost that one. You, you use the rationale you're due. That's how every gambler gamblers ever lost ever. I mean that's just how you lose. Oh, we got the last we missed the last one. So analytics say we're definitely due here. Yeah, more than, you're more right. To, more times than not, we're going to get this next one because we missed the last one.
1: But they did get the they 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 did get the third one, which is the funny part in the whole thing. Maybe that's like the irony of it all is that they went for it on fourth and goal from the two yard line, four- and they got the third one, which I get. Obviously, if they would have gotten that the first time, it would have been a lot different. But the, here's the thing: to your point, Reid, I think you're right. Is that I don't know if it's so much like a um, like a gut thing, a feel thing, as much as it is just like having a clue about where you're at in the game itself. Would. If, let me ask you this. If it was a seven-point game, the math on whether or not you would get the first down or not get the first down stays the same. The score is irrelevant, correct? So we can all agree on that? Like yeah. It doesn't matter what the score is about what your percentage chance is of going for it on fourth and two and getting it or not getting
0: correct. it. Correct.
1: The question I have is, is at what point do you realize that you don't need what you're ultimately been arguing about? You don't need the four extra points. I would make the case that you don't need the four extra points. The same analogy that I use at the begin the show off, which is the whole: Do you bunt runners over to second and third when you know you're probably only going to get one run ninety percent of the time, and you're not going to get two runs or more in more or less times? You should get two more runs if you have a first and second nobody out. That's why in the in the second inning you don't bunt because you're like you want to you want to have the bigger inning. My argument is at some point you look at the game itself and you realize, okay, we're getting to a point in the game now where I'm going to force their hand. In order for them to beat me with a field goal here, they're going to have to play perfect football. They have to get three scores in a row. They got to stop me three straight times. The yeah. math on that seems very difficult. And that's the part where that's why we love sports. And maybe we've beaten this to a dead horse. I just, It just seems like one side of the aisle... And I'm on the other side sometimes, too, yes. But it just seems like we can't ever just agree that it's like there's not a perfect formula. And there needs to be some times where we just put the – the, and maybe it wasn't the math book, to be honest. Like, that's the part where I loved – I wish there was – I don't want to say great reporters. There's great reporters. But, like, I would love to just have an conversation like, with Dan Campbell and just ask him, okay, listen – was it a math? Was it like more of just like, yeah, the numbers say you should go for it? Or was it just that you didn't trust your kicker and you can't tell people that? You watched him in warm-ups and you seen him miss five field goals and you just thought to yourself, under no circumstance, am I putting this kid out there with a the game on the line? Or, or even giving my chance, giving him a chance to mess this up for me. And then that was the decision. If that was the case, Elliot, me and you would have two completely different thoughts on
3: this. 100%. 100%. And I want to ask this one question. Because it's the same thing we've been arguing, but I, I I think it's important to ask: Would you rather your season come down to? Let's say the Lions kick those two field goals, miss them both. Would you rather season your season end like that, or have it end with them going for two both times, trusting your quarterback? If you were the fan, if you're a, if this is the Cincinnati Bengals, your season definitely on the, the line,
1: Bengals is different.
3: You true, it might It's a little different. It's a,
1: it's a it's a it's a it's a. This is where it's tough because the kicker's made Hall four times this year. He hasn't missed. But the problem is he's only kicked four times. He's not been with the team all year. Right. Uh, no, if,
2: if, the, if you have an Evan McPherson or a Justin Tucker, those decisions become a lot easier, right? Like, you, you definitely change that. But if you're asking me as a fan, would I would I rather watch my season end with my quarterback on the field or with a kicker on the field? It's a quarterback every single time. And I think that's fair. And I think, and I, I think that might be what Dan Campbell thought in his head.
3: He rolled it around. I just think it's—I I think it's silly to do it twice uh, when you already didn't do it the first time, and then went kept, kept for some reason just sticking with it at the end. It, it, it's the definition of insanity. Uh, I, Dan Campbell, God love him. The Lions are a good team. Reed, Reed, Reed was talking about it yesterday, and they are—they're a damn—they're a damn good, they're, they're I, a, I a damn good football team. It's
1: hard to get back. That's the thing that—that's the thing that I was very. Uh not taken aback by, but, but Dan Campbell, I, I love this guy. He, he said, listen, it's going to be really hard to get back here. And he was honest with them. And that, you know, some of it was motivating those guys to try to go and work hard in the off season and get better and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that was more or less the line that he was trying to get across to them was that he wanted them to work hard and not feel like they had made it because they hadn't obviously, but, but, but he's, but he's not wrong when he said, Hey, our, our division is going to be loaded right back up. This, you know, this, this, this conference isn't going to be a cakewalk. He's not wrong. I mean, I, yes, I'm a Packers fan, but the Packers had the youngest team in the NFL, and you could argue they were right there to, to be in the same spot the Lions were, and they have a first-year quarterback. You could argue that that, that the Bears have the number one pick, and they might be in a situation where the Bears – and they'll they'll mess it up because they're the Bears. But but it. but but they're probably gonna maybe get the best quarterback in the NFL draft in the last five, six years. Maybe we make me and Casey might not totally believe that. But let's just say that he is. It's just the NFL is so damn hard to get back to those spots that when you're when you're right there, it stings. And then that's why these decisions get get absolutely uh drugged through the mud for so long is because it's it's tough to get back to that same spot. Um there was a there was a comment made now I've lost it that I liked. Um Steve. Steve brought up the point that at the end of the game, this is where people are gonna take like Trace, you or you talk out of both sides of your mouth. I actually thought going for it on that fourth down was smart. I know kicking the field goal makes it a seven point game. I do understand that if you don't get that, you automatically have no chance to tie the game at all. But I do think it's smarter when you're at the two yard line to try to get the touchdown because you know inevitably you're going to need to get an onside kick regardless. And if you were to get that onside kick, you're like two plays away from giving your kicker a chance to tie the game. The chances of kicking the field goal from the two-yard line, making it, getting the onside kick, and then having to score a touchdown are significantly lower. And again, here's Trace again. I think that's okay to use the analytics in that situation and say, okay, that... But from a common standpoint, I understand what Elliott was typing all caps in the chat and he'd done he had done lost his mind on Dan Campbell already two times in the game I do understand that the, the idea that you just you at least want to extend the game but I didn't have a problem with him going for it in the last time
2: this I, I, I agree I mean like he could have technically kicked it um, with about a minute 40 left would have been like right at a 40yard field goal Um and you could have had all three timeouts and all that stuff, which I think we all agree that the, honestly the worst decision he made was to use that timeout for. That was the worst one. Yeah, that that one like you can't even defend it. End right? of the game. Right, you can't even you can't even defend it. That's how bad of a decision was. Like at least like when we're talking about all the other stuff, like you can go like, well, I mean like if it if it works, mm-hmm. if it works, we're not saying or You can't even defend it. And that and Kirby actually brings up a good point. Like this is what I always argue about when I see people complaining about um, play calling and stuff. It's like, if it works, right, if they get that first down, no one even, like, talks about them going for it, right? Like, if, if they get that first down up 14 and they go and score a touchdown, it's literally not even a conversation. It might be just a small... Out on the side of your mouth, like, oh yeah. What about the balls on Dan Campbell to go for it instead of going, just taking yep. the seventeen point lead? That's literally the end of the conversation. It's not brought up at all. So Kirby does bring up a good point in that that, like, if it works, there's no conversation at all. So it, it is a hindsight conversation that we are having. I don't think
3: moment. I don't think there is ever a conversation to be had when you when you can go up three scores. That's it wasn't a-
1: hindsight for many people though. I I don't, I don't believe this was a situation where. I don't believe this is a situation where if you would have paused the game in that moment and you would have let everybody spew their opinions on what they should do, there is a vast majority of people that are sitting there screaming, saying that you need to kick this field. Well, out. I'm just saying, this, if this, it this, works,
2: this. like if they get the first down, they score a touchdown. Of course, It's yes. like, it's literally, just, it's, not, it's not even, we don't even bring it up. I disagree. We don't I, even bring it up. I disagree. You
3: completely. think we bring
1: it up if they get it?
3: If, if you get that, the the correct option, no matter what, is to go up three scores. That is. I know that, option. but
1: I'm. He's saying, and he's is, and he's right. Is that is is, it. it's not a talking point. If it works, and that's why the analytics crowd get the doesn't get, cre- doesn't get credit. It's the same reason that if David Bell pinch hits Stuart Fairchild and he hits a double down the line against the Pittsburgh Pirates and it scores no two one runs, no, like, no one really brings up Fairchild? that David Bell used analytics to win them the game. Sure. It's only when it doesn't work is to when it gets bashed, and that is a very, very fair point.
3: But I think baseball is so different that it's not even close. I, I think – David Bell leaving Alexis Diaz in for one extra inning or one extra out uh, after already pitching the eighth or whatever or whatever have you. He pitched the ninth, he's come back in for the first out of the 10th. I think that's, va- that's a vastly different so, scenario. than correctly, you can go up three scores, or you can go
2: up two scores, or you can risk it and extend the drive. You take the three scores. So you think, so you think that if they, they got the first down and they score a touchdown, we are talking about that decision. On Monday and Tuesday, you're talking
3: about it, but in a different way.
1: Maybe I don't think you're talking. You're, you're certainly you're not. You, you're, you're certainly you not talking 45 minutes about it. But 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 I mean, you may bring it up.
2: It literally just goes, oh, what about Dan Campbell? Balls on that guy to go on that. Correct. Like that's literally the end of the end of that conversation. It's just an ad lib thing talking about the Lions dominating the 49ers. You want to hear
1: an optimistic brain that I have sometimes when I'm watching football and my team's playing? I, there's times where if a team gets it on fourth down and they go for it on fourth down and they get it, my brain goes, okay. They got it on fourth down, but the crazy part is, is that it might actually work out in the favor of the team that I'm rooting for. I think to myself, like, they could fumble. They could throw a pick six now. They, 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 there's a chance for them to not get points. The fact that they passed on points, they decided they didn't want points right now. They wanted to try to get more points. There's a chance they get no points because of the decision they made to go for it on fourth down and getting it. That's possible. You, you, you know, it's the same thing as, the, as what's the gold rule in the NFL when you – make it when you make a field goal right and let's just say for instance it's uh it's fourth and six and then there's a five yard penalty but you made the field goal you either keep the points or you go for it on fourth and one the golden rule is you don't take points off the board and you don't go for it i think that was the situation that i felt like somewhat in my brain with the going up by three scores it's like you got a chance to go up three scores let's not let's not play with the devil here and they they did to a certain extent they did and they didn't make plays either, okay? We'll, we'll end it on that. Right. Because I think that's a fair point, is that they didn't make plays. They, they had a they of- had chance to make plays. Jameer Gibbs fumbles. If Jameer Gibbs doesn't fumble, there's a chance that, the, that, that, that we're not talking about any of this. But he did fumble. And I just want to point out to the analytics crowd, humans play this game. There is real momentum. The crowd matters. The belief system on the other sideline matters. And if you want to convince yourself that, that going for it versus kicking the field goal wasn't a big deal – Well, I got news for you. The San Francisco 49ers scored 21 unanswered points from that moment forward. 21 unanswered points from that moment forward in 22 minutes of football. And over the course of 30 minutes of football, they scored 10 points up until that point. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's not.
2: What happened? Like, in all seriousness, what happened to the Lions? Because they, like, dominated that first half. And then... It, 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 is that how big of a momentum swing that was cuz it's crazy like literally everything from that from them not getting that first down yeah to that point they dominated that most game most
1: people that have played sports long enough reed have been a part of this one way or the other and i know crazy. that you have and i have listen there is a no doubt that in sports that you can that you can get a very good feeling in the moment of what, where things are headed sometimes. Golly. Even though you have that 10-point lead in basketball, you, and I hate to bring this up, but UC playing Nevada had the same vibes. You, you knew when UC was up 22, when it became a 10-point game, you're right. still up 10 points. You're still with a 90% probability of winning the game. But we all know that if it was a two-point game and UC extended it to 10 right. at the exact same different. marker... At the exact same time, we all damn well know what would have happened. UC would have won that game. But it was the opposite. And we all know how you feel. And Evan sitting here trying to tell me that pressure's quantifiable. That is the biggest amount of bull you-know-what. I'm trying not to cuss on my first show back here. That is so ridiculous. To sit here and suggest to me that you can quantify how much pressure I feel. Why don't you walk me through the math of that? Why don't you let me know how much Elliot gets nervous versus I get nervous in the exact same situation? You're going to be able to tell me if Matt McLean is the same type of player when the pressure is at its, at its highest peak as Spencer Steer is? How in the hell are you going to do that? How are you going to get enough reps in big numbers in big moments to be able to justify that that math actually makes sense? You can't. It's impossible. In fact, I would argue that, that in, in one person's career, in Derek Jeter's career, he probably was only in those moments 15 times or less. Are you going to suggest that using a, 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 a big number of 15 as a way to be able to say that this is how somebody's going to behave in this situation. Michael Jordan, is that the best example you're going to use for me of saying, well, we can tell that Michael Jordan's going to make the game winning shot. Michael Jordan missed. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a stat out there. Michael Jordan missed hundreds of game winning shots. You can't possibly quantify what pressure will do to human beings. It's the same reason we all watch. If this whole thing was a soap opera and maybe you could argue the NFL damn near close is because the same result happens every year. The Chiefs seem to win the Super Bowl. But the point is, is if sports were just a numbers game and it just came down to whoever had the best, you know, best team with the best odds to win would win every year, then it would not be fun, would it? And I'm not trying to, 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 to tear down the complete analytic nature of the game. You have to use it. It is 100% useful. It has validation. It's been validated. The shift in baseball itself is validating to analytics. But you're never going to convince me, and nor should you ever believe, that you can quantify how much pressure is in a moment and how it's going to affect somebody's ability to produce in the manner that they traditionally would. It's the same argument I've made about free throws my whole life, guys. You can go into the gym, and you can shoot a billion free throws. I don't give a damn how many free throws you shoot. But if the game's on the line, or I offered you a billion dollars for your family when you shoot this next free throw, I don't give a shit how many free throws you've shoot for your entire life. That one singular free throw is different than every other free throw you've ever shot in your entire life. It is. And there's a reason that people choke. And there's a reason that people miss wide right. And there's a people there's a reason that Ohio State's kicker hooks the ever living shit out of a field goal to win the game. And you know why? It's because he's human. It's because the met the, the the moment is different than something they've ever experienced before, and they'll never experience it again. If we could just agree on that. I would love I would love the whole analytics space, but if for some reason, people want to dig their heels in and they want to tell me that when Noah Ruggles goes out there to kick a 50-yard field goal, it's the same 50-yard field goal he's been making all year. Is it? Because it sure the hell didn't look like it. And that Lions team sure the hell didn't look like the same Lions team they had until they didn't get the fourth down and they were up by 14, possibly going up 17. All right. Let's talk about something else. Uh, we we we've we've talked about Dan Campbell for an hour.
2: Dan Gamble.
1: Dan Gamble.
3: <laughs> I think it's time for the ad break by the way
1: too. Yeah, let's, let's do, do the ad break. Let's yeah, do the yeah, ad break it's... and that'll give me just enough time to figure out what the hell we should talk about. If you have an idea in the chat, go ahead. <clears throat> All right, well, the uh maybe Bearcat
0: or Bengal report that we do at some point in the future. Oh I, I just Maybe. talked
1: about the Bearcats. They blew a yeah. lead to Nevada. Casey, then, keep up. And we talked about McPherson. I said yeah, Joe sure. Burrow. And yeah. We, we talked about yeah. missed
0: free throws. Nothing says Bearcats like missed free throws. Yeah, sure. Five and
3: five in the first half the other night.
0: <laughs> sure. Well, those reports are brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world, with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency. And Lindsay, oh, Lindsay
3: productivity. Yes. That's right. Yes. 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 Yes.
0: Productivity. The path to innovation begins here. Visit encore.tech. Let me tell you about this lovely bottle of water right here. Pawnee Water, Mm. made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. What? Drink lots of coffee from UDS. What? Swish it down with some Ponte water, and get your technology solutions from Encore Tech. And uh, if you have not already checked out our memberships, go ahead and check them out. Uh, Ten dollars is our lowest membership, and that gets you pretty much um, all of our member streams which is uh, a lot of fun we have quiplash fridays we have box lunch we have our gaming stream which is later today and then uh a lot of other future content in the works for that and then uh, if you're liking the show please hit the like button and uh if you're new here subscribe so you can get more of our content we cover all things cincinnati Bengals, reds uh, Bearcat, Savior, the whole works. And sometimes we even cover the natural stuff like we did for the hour that we just covered. So. Anyways, you guys got anything else to add over there?
2: Hey, guys. Um, like, subscribe, do all the fun stuff. Yeah, thanks. Trace.
1: Uh, speaking of which, for our members, uh, we are going to have to figure out. We need to do this fast because I think it's coming up. Uh, it was supposed to be Friday. Uh, Elliot delayed it. Of course, he made up some story and wanted to push it. Eh, not a story. to Monday, um, but we're gonna play tennis. I think this is the one. I, I got to be honest. If there was anything that I was n- nervous, isn't the right. I mean, he should win, but I don't really want him to win. That's the thing. There's a competitive in me. I, uh, I the competitor in me, doesn't want Elliot to beat me at anything. But this is his best chance. We're gonna play tennis. Elliot, as many know, is a, is an all-city, all-world tennis player, and I, I, uh, I have never played tennis now everyone in this room makes fun of me laughs at me um even Casey at this point is is has written me off saying that there's no chance that I'm ever I could I could ever possibly beat beat Elliot um the rules of the match are first of all the reason I'm saying this is because it's going to be on our members only channel um it will be members only it's going to be next Monday Monday Six uh, days. we're gonna post produce it though because it's live streaming that would would not be easy um so we do need to find some like some line what do we need elliot we need line judges do, uh, are, are, i'm assuming they're not going to provide us anything other than a net and a court that would be correct
3: there are no line judges there so no
2: you do it yourself right like correct you just, yeah. yeah
3: so when you play high school tennis you just this means out so if it's out you point your finger up uh and if it's in you play it's it. an Did honor you?
1: system in, in high school
3: oh yeah
2: you ever had a, did what? you ever have a large disagreement with who you were playing about it?
3: So yeah, so in tennis, it is funny where you you usually get a sense if you're playing somebody who cheats. And usually, I, again, I, I won't I won't say who's cheating, but it's Saint Xavier High School. And if you're playing if you're playing a school like that, who you know you're not going to get favorable calls against. Generally, what happens is you start then making cheating up calls, so you back. so it's a cheat off. And then what happens is both players will call their coaches in and they will act as line judges if it comes to that. Uh, but most of the time, most of the time you're able to do that without any sort of coach assistance. You just play by the rules of tennis because, I mean, if you're, if you're going to cheat, what are we doing here anyway? So, um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it is the honor system, and usually it's, usually it's very clear.
1: Uh, Molly three month member asks what about the uh, red season tickets that they had purchased Uh, we are doing a chatterbox red show tonight and we will make the announcement on when that will be so for those that don't know we basically have a season ticket group Um, I think that there's plenty of space right now there's at least 10 spots left Um, but the idea of it is, is that you get eight tickets you either get four sets of two or you get two sets of four you get eight total tickets for the year. Um, it's the face, the, tic- the ticket, the prices of it is the face value of the tickets. But that also enters you in the, a raffle to get opening day tickets. It also enters you in, not even enters, you get the chance to purchase postseason tickets if you want to go to the postseason for face value. Um, so I, you know, what's weird is like when you're young, you have these ideas, and you're like, ah, oh, you th- th- should do this. There's two ideas I had when I was young, that um, one I think is still a decent idea, and the other one I'm trying to execute as we speak. One idea I had was to have, like, um, a fan go fund me. So you have you – have, uh, and I'm sure this isn't, like – this is years ago that I thought this, but I'm sure that uh, this may have been done at some point, but the problem is, is it's just the litigation and all the things that probably have to go into it make it very tough. Litigation. But it's almost like an NIL collective for your Major League Baseball team. Now, one would think the ownership group – Would be that you know you go to the games you pay your tickets and they get the money and then they obviously have a a full-fledged great you know whatever uh a front office that would decide on on who what players you get what but there are these things called small markets as we all have come to be aware of and i just feel like if you had a um if you had some situation where you had a fan favorite and the franchise just knew that they weren't gonna be able to afford a player because they were way too expensive it could be a supplement at times so as long as you had like a democratic way of voting um, so if you donated like $10 or more, now this is where it gets like, I, I get why it hasn't happened. There's a lot that goes into this, but I'm, I've, for my dumb 18 year old self thought through how you could try to make this as equitable as possible. So I'm gonna let you guys poke holes into this thing. Yeah. But let's just say for instance, if you donated 10 or $20 or more, right. To this collective, then it goes into this pot of money and you get a, you get voting privileges based off of the amount of money that you've donated. So it's like States, it's very similar to the states and the way that our, our elections go and you have the the maybe a shareholder vote if you don't think of it like that and you have a vote at the end of every year of where you would like the money to go and it could be a specific player it could be we should keep the money and roll it over into the next season and then at the end of that depending on how the vote goes you would then have to have a negotiation with obviously the team of whether or not you would want to supplement the money and if that if it aligned with what they thought it would never be a guarantee right because because if you had well it could be a guarantee if you had like a ton of money right if you just were willing to overpay for a player that the reds knew let's just say for instance give me a random player i don't want to be i don't want to be um
2: like any baseball player any player for the Reds. joey Votto. oh okay ellie de la cruz ellie de la cruz Joey, no, Joey Votto.
3: Joey Votto. We, we, let's Joey just say, Votto? for
1: instance, Joey Votto, right? And let's say the Reds didn't want to bring Joey Votto back because largely because it doesn't make sense to bring a guy back uh, and pay him twenty million dollars of whatever you owed him, blah blah blah. Let's say the Reds fan base said that we 100 percent wanted that, and the Reds genuinely the only reason they weren't going to keep him around was because of the money. Then that you would get a deal done. The problem would be is if the Reds were like, you know, we just don't want to bring him back because of roster constraints then at that point you wouldn't be able to get a deal done with the team.
2: So let me get this straight what you're trying to map out here. You are saying that um, you want to create a sort of organization, right, that you then give money to to have privileges into to voting for what the, the group money goes towards. Correct. Congratulations. You – have just invented government <laughs> that is that is literally yeah a democracy but, but, but it's specifically government. for your franchise so yeah i get it but you like that you, that's what the government not, is. i'm not inventing in a new ta- system
1: clearly i just admitted right. that we do it for our elections
2: yeah i thought it'd be great if like a if like a city council member proposed legislation and just like proposed a tax levy and said listen i mean like, say we had, like, Sho- like, the Reds had Shohei Ohtani. Like, hey, we got to keep this guy around. Mm-hmm. I know we can't do it. There's about 3 million people in the Cincinnati metropolitan area. It's going to cost about $700 million. So if those 3 million people give, what, $200 over the course of 10 years, um, then we can keep Shohei Ohtani around. And they just – the entire metropolitan area votes on a tax levy that – the money is then given to the Reds, and they could sign Shohei Otani and make him a Cincinnati Red for a while. You know what's crazy, though? It wouldn't fix a, it wouldn't fix a thing in baseball.
3: It wouldn't. I know exactly what just, you're going to say. There's just more people in New York, and then they would all do it. And it would, yeah, Philly it would would do wouldn't do fix anything. Yeah, Chicago yeah. would do it. Correct. Right. And, then, and then we're all back at the same place. Now the, the play, now just every player would getting love paid it. $200 trillion. <laughs> Could you imagine Jonathan India, who's going to play probably, what, 80 games this year if he's lucky? He's just getting paid $75 million a game that's what it would be. And that's what, and that's what it would be. But I agree with Trace. Let's do it. Let's run it back.
1: No, I don't think it could be done. That's why I, I obviously didn't do it. But here's the it's the other, idea that, had, little the little other idea that I had, the other idea that I had that I, that I do again, it's anytime you start something from scratch, the chances of it failing versus it being successful are, are, are obviously on the fail side tremendously. But the idea is simple. You, you get a collective group of people that enjoy, one, your your content or what you do in general. But you have a group, a season ticket group, that hopefully over time grows and grows and grows and grows to where you have, instead of you having four seats a year, you end up having, let's just say, for instance, this, this happens for 40 years, which is crazy, but let's just say it does. What happens a day and age where you have a group that has... 750 seats at great American Ballpark. At that moment, <clears throat> what you're doing is you're allowing the, the, the the common fan to join a bigger cause at a lower buy-in rate that, that, that the franchise offers to get just as good of privileges, if not better. Right. And on top of that, you are a part of an organization that at that point, like it or not, has some leverage over the organization. If you think for a second that an organization that has call it a thousand, two thousand, again, this is a far this is a stretch. This is a stretch. This is something that happens over a long period of time. But if you had two thousand season tickets, you gave the you gave the franchise whatever, ten million dollars a year, whatever that number would end up being, who knows? You you would you would have you would have a you would have a very you, you could then at that point, to be honest with you, run a little bit of a uh, of of voting privileges within inside the group and then you could start to you could start to push the the franchise in certain ways. There's no doubt. Now, do I think you could make mountains move? No.
2: As a Packers fan, that is a publicly owned company. Yes, kind of. But kind <laughs> of. Yeah, like what's the point of I saw them a couple of years ago, they sold more shares.
1: Right. It's just something to put on the wall. It has no you, you you don't you don't get anything from it other than supporting your team. It's actually the same thing that it's, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's the, the same, same thing that. I'm talking about, but you don't get anything. Right. With you, mine, you at least get tickets.
2: Like you go, you much, do much better <laughs> deal. <laughs> if you if you if you buy into buy shares of the Packers, you don't get money when they make money. Like you don't you don't get uh, Don't get residuals. You don't get any say in what the company or what the team does and like you can't resell them somewhere else like you can't sell it for more money so when you're literally just giving money to the packers to say here's some money packers right that is that's nonsense renovate that's the sed- renovate the stadium crazy that's nonsense
1: it works when it works then you just continue to do it because it works so congratulations to the packers on making people think they've got something that they really don't they have a piece of paper it's similar to trading cards i would think it's memorabilia if anything else it's just you're buying something to to hang up at your house that you're proud about um all right we got 45 minutes left in the show uh pinch hitting today for tom brennan and tom will be back tomorrow um, we will have some more content news coming forward. So from chatterbox sports perspective over the past three weeks, obviously I went on vacation, but during vacation, if we're being honest, it's probably a time where I just sit around and think about things that we could or should do. Um, there will be new content moving forward at some point. I am trying to figure out what I can handle and what I can't handle right now. If we're being completely honest, I would love to start doing a show, um, around the, uh, rush hour time frame. I'm also negotiating right now for being honest. Maybe I shouldn't say this out loud, but I'll do it anyways, but we're negotiating an opportunity to try to get on some, uh, legacy media platforms as well, and we'll see Ooh. if we can't, uh, kind of bring maybe over some of their content over to what we do as well, to bring more content on the channel. The people that are watching right now. Uh, which is a hundred. And that's why sometimes to be honest with you, we take what we do for granted. I get that there's some people sometimes we'll be like, Oh, there's only a hundred people watching. Or, well, if you go back and you look at the clips, you go back and you look at the post, you know, the people that watch this show after it's live, we get anywhere from some days, three, 4,000. We get 5,000 traditionally over the course of between the clips and the, and the, um, the show itself and the podcast and all that and then there's times like you know where we get on the 20,000s which I think sometimes we take for granted what we've built we think that we're really really small and we are small and the and the thing that I like want to illustrate the most is is that we don't always have it figured out like we don't have a a definite way of this is exactly what we should do more times than not what we do around here is we just throw stuff at a wall and We try to figure out what sticks. And I think that's what most organizations do, if we're being quite frank. I wish I could sit here and tell you that I have a perfect plan. I don't. It might get a little bit muddy over the next, whatever, I don't know, month, because we're going to try certain things. We look at the YouTube analytics, of course, because this is a big analytics show. And most people watch our content in the evening hours from 5 to 8. I just, the thing that's tough to move a show from where we've had it always is because of the fact that there's a hundred people watching at 10 o'clock and we've done this for what is what now? I don't know, two years, a year and a half. What are we, what, how long have we done this?
2: We've done this for three, four, 16 months.
1: Okay. So for 16 months, many of you know that part of your day is turning this on at from 10 to noon and we're a big part of that. And that weighs pretty heavily on us, if we're being completely honest, because I would love just to say, you know what, Mondays, we'll make this thing from four to six on Tuesdays. We'll make it from noon to two on Thursdays. We'll make it from 10 to 12. And we'll just figure out what, who, ha- you know, which one has the most success. But if we're being honest, The reason that that doesn't happen is because there's a loyal group of people that really, quite frankly, we, we, we enjoy having around. And the last thing that I'd like to do is just say, Nope, we're going to move this instead of going from 10 to noon, we're going to move it from X, Y, Z. Now, of course we could double dip. We could do off the bench at 10 to noon, and then we could try to do uh, a show from four to six or whatever time frame that may be. But I'm, uh, but I'm open, I guess I'm open to thoughts. Now, clearly one person's opinion can't speak for the rest of everyone, but you can generally get a good idea of what the desired thing that we would, that you would like to have on our platform moving forward is clearly we have chatterbox reds coming up. That's uh, pretty popular. Chatterbox Bengals is something that we're going to continue to try to focus on and make a, make a priority. And, and, and hopefully, um, I don't want to say that becomes as successful as Chatterbox Reds, but it becomes something similar to Chatterbox Reds. We do Chatterbox Bearcats, obviously, um, with Chuck and Houdini. And the goal all along with what we do on this platform is to be authentic, have fun, and make you feel like you're genuinely a part of what we're doing because you are, one. And two, you're just hanging out with some guys at a bar and you're just having fun talking sports. Because more times than not, right, what we do – It's not an escape, but it's just an addition to your day. It just adds life to your day. From somebody that's had a family that, quite frankly, has done a lot of blue-collar work, there's something to be said about being blue-collar and being here every single day, no matter what. And we've tried to do that as much as we possibly could. I'm not saying... I don't... I don't want to speak out of turn here and say that we've never missed a show, but if somebody's sick or somebody can't be here or Tom has a situation or Tom has surgery, the show goes on and the show will always go on. Um, but the question is, is what is the best way of having it go on? Is it from 10 to noon or is it from four to six? Uh, we might play with the time frames a little bit, but again, I just want to let everybody know we're not going anywhere. I just got to figure out on our end, what makes the most sense for us and what's the best decision for, for us. And for when I say for us, really what I'm saying is for the viewership group that we have and that we continue to try to grow. Um, if I said this, what we do here is, is, is easy. It would be a lie. What we do here is not easy. It's just, it is fun without question. I enjoy it. But we're in a situation at Chatterbox where it's, we've got to find ways and people probably think that, Oh man, Chatterbox, what's, what's going on right now? Tracy's going deep. I'm not, I'm just saying that I don't want people to misconstrue over the next couple months, what we're trying to do. We're not trying to do anything other than figure out what it is that people want that are on your side of the aisle. So I'm open ears as I always have been. Um, But, as I've said before, Tom will be back here tomorrow. Show goes on. I just would like to start to try to push the envelope a little bit and take maybe not just this show to another level, but but other shows that we could possibly do. Um, Sports. Uh, I saw this tweet. It went around.
3: Casey, I sent it to you if that's okay. Uh, I I saw this tweet around X.com. And, it, it, it you know, we're... Everybody in the chat's telling us to talk about Cincinnati sports, talking about Cincinnati sports. I'm the biggest Reds fan there is. I love the Reds. Now, being a Reds fan is sometimes difficult because uh, over the past 25 years, which is the course of my life, I have not seen any success. Very little. Very little success. And I saw everybody bragging about everybody's wins in the postseason and honest to God, I was shocked at some of these teams having as many postseason wins over the past twenty years. And I guess a couple of them are just one, or I guess one stretch, uh, or two, or two seasons of, of stretches in the postseason where they boosted this. But how is it that the Reds have twenty less postseason wins than the Kansas City Royals? I know they won the World Series, they won but the that World is, Series twice. but that is preposterous. I mean, they are the, they are the Kansas City Royals, and we have twenty less postseason victories we we have one less postseason victory than the pirates we're in last place with only two the most postseason victories is houston with 75 75 postseason victories i think is that is all of that post 2012 for
2: houston no they went to the world series in 2006 2006 no 2004 2004 they went Five, five, five. They lost to the White Sox in 05, Okay.
3: And then there was a long stretch. There was a long lull for them where they didn't have any success. And then they've just dominated over the past 10 years or so. Uh, but I thought it's preposterous. I think the Reds, I mean, uh, if you had to bet, Trace, if you were a betting man, and I know you are, yeah. that the Reds have over under this, we're going to start with this season. We have two right now, over under four and a half postseason victories when this season's done. Would you take the over or the under?
1: I mean, that easy – I mean, listen, you're putting me in a bad spot here. The easy answer is under. That's an easy under. <laughs> the easy come answer Come on. Is under. The value is the easy. Come answer, on. The value is without – listen, listen. Um, I think we're going to do some stuff with Chatterbox Reds tonight. night. So sometimes when I do this show and then I do Chatterbox Reds at night, it's tough because I'm like, I, I would love to talk about the Reds for the next 30 minutes. The problem in doing that is that probably in the, in, in, when you watch Chatterbox Reds at night, you're going to hear Trey say the same stuff. Because one one man can only have so many uh, opinions, and I'm not the type that usually tries to make an opinion up one way and then turn it around on the other. Um, besides when I'm talking about Joe Burrow. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I I lo- I like this Reds team and where they're at. Um, How long is this? I think back? they can win 90 games possibly. This goes to 2,000. Okay. But let me be clear. Okay, I, I, long, I, I think this Reds team um, – this Reds team is very young. This Reds team doesn't have a lot of uh, a lot of um, solid parts on it. I mean, and I, and I know that sounds bad to say, but let's just let's play a little game here. Um, we'll start off with uh, Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson could could have a bounce back year. Could be great. Tyler Stevenson could also showcase what he has showcased at times, which is that he's incredibly bad defensively. Um, and if anything, maybe he'll be. Um, marginal at the plate go through long stretches of times of being bad at the plate uh, you could say that luke Maley might fill that role in if that's the case and maybe maybe you'd be right but then you go to noelve Marte at third base he's not you know yes he had a great end of the year and i think noelve Marte might be the best out of all of them but he's still a rookie ellie de la cruz he's been he's been well well talked about but again from a from a um production standpoint there's nothing that you could point to that says that you're going to bet your your mortgage on uh, on a solid production out of that spot Matt McClain I love Matt McClain I think Matt McClain's a stud but again if you wanted to push back on that you could say the kid hit 250 in double a two years ago he had one great season in the big leagues does that mean he's going to replicate it Jonathan India another guy that obviously he's still around but certainly if you use matt mcclain as an example of saying hey this guy's going to be a stud well we're trying to run half the town's trying to run jonathan india out of here and he was a rookie of the year and yes we can make fun of that blah 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 but he was the rookie of the year so it's not a guarantee that you that you that you continue down a a star filled pass just because you get off to a good start in your career you have christian Encarnacion strand ces who came up and and you know i i think ces could end up being a great first baseman in this league Hit for great power, especially great American ballpark, but he's not done anything. He's not proven anything. We've just went around the whole entire infield and I have explained very rationally and we all can agree that that everything I just said is relatively true. Doesn't mean we're bashing them. Doesn't mean we don't believe in them, but we could all just genuinely agree that that's where we're at. Let's go to the outfield. Do we, do we want to do that? Sure. We got a left fielder try, and Spencer watch, try Steer. Carefully here, Trace. We have we have <laughs> Candelario. Yes, Candelario. Yes, but you have Spencer Steer. Steer, who had a great year, but numbers and in, in the analytics crowd would suggest that that is going to come back down to the mean, and what that mean is, I don't know. But people would genuinely say in the analytics community that Spencer Steer's chances of replicating what he did last year to this year are not very high. TJ Friedel was a guy that bounced around between AAA and and, and Major League Baseball and quite honestly did not get off to a good start in in his Major League career. Went back down to AAA, came back up, and he was one of the best center fielders last year. And by God, I hope he's going to be one of the best center fielders again this year. But again, to be clear, we're talking about the same situation. Jake Fraley got hurt at the end of last year. Is he going to come back? Is he going to be the same kind of guy? And I know I'm missing people as I sit here and I, I go through this whole exercise. And certainly the, the starting pitching week at all could agree that that is a very, very – although de- depth, I think, is very promising for this franchise. That's the thing I'm most excited about is the depth. Because I actually genuinely believe they have a lot of major league – quality players and they're not going to have to rely on one guy being the superstar if hunter green doesn't end up being an ace that's okay if nick lodolo doesn't end up being an ace that's okay graham ashcraft hopefully he's serviceable between the three of them if we just have three major league arms that's fine you have some guys coming up through the system maybe rut louder turns into a, a a big time arm i don't know but it's depth can i ask you this Yes.
3: If we start having the concern, and again, we we already have the concern, but if Hunter Green, let's say Hunter Green goes down with an injury this year, at what point does that play into a factor of uh, this guy's just never going to be healthy? Does he have to, for you, and again, this is just me, and, and let's see if I can get a Joe Burrow shot in just to keep up with the times of this show. Joe Burrow, it seems like he gets hurt quite often. I am a little bit concerned with Burrow because of that. I think I think the injury. That's fair. But factors. sometimes
1: we can agree that the injury the injury matters itself. Like I sure. I, I think like hey oh the dude the dude the dude got uh you know he got rolled up on and he blew out his ACL. That's a lot different to me than a non contact injury like Teddy Bridgewater did when he's running and then all of a sudden boom his just leg goes like that. To me that tells me that there was a problem regardless. Like, I think Burrow's injuries, to a certain extent, there wasn't a problem. It's just some, the calf, the wrist, maybe you could – but but I'm – I hear what you're saying. Like, Nick Senzo was never – like, did you ever count count for
3: Nick Senzo playing games? Because no. he's injury-prone. That's an injury-prone player. It's not it's not his fault. Right. It's not his fault that he gets hurt, but yeah. that's the reality. But sometimes I will bring th- up – just
1: to be clear about the Joe Burrow thing. I want to try to sh- shed some positive light on this a little bit here. Is that Matt Stafford was getting the same thing said about him after two years in the NFL. And then he went like ten straight years. And you can they, you it didn't, can change it it you can change the
2: perspective You can change the perception. Yeah. Like it's not like it's not like in fifteen years if Joe Burrow plays a consecutive fifteen years without missing a game. Certainly, we're not going to call him injury prone. Correct. But at this point, based on the information that we have, I Hunter, think it's a fair assessment to say that there's some there's some injury problems.
1: I think there. it's fair to be concerned, like you said, Elliot. And yes, if if, if Hunter Green gets hurt again, um, Nick LaDolo especially. Yeah, you could have some concern.
3: Who's and I think that's where the depth for me as the depth is great looking on paper right now. It's phenomenal, but that's assuming these guys can stay relatively healthy throughout the season. If I get twenty five starts on Hunter Green, I'm not mad. I'm not mad about it. If Nick Lodolo can give me twenty five starts, I'm not mad about it. I think Reed and I were talking about what's great. it, thirty three. Thirty three is the most if you miss, if you don't if you, if, you, if you
2: don't if you don't miss a start, it's like 35, 36. Okay,
3: if we can get twenty five out of these guys, we're gonna be great. We're gonna be fine. But you're gonna start having concerns when when Hunter Green again misses two months at a time. Nick Lodolo comes in for the first month, tears it up, gets hurt, done for the year. That's where I'm that's where I'm starting to have a little bit of concern. And when I said when I wanted what I wanted this offseason, and shout out to Nick Crawl. Evan gets on me all the time for, for not crediting Nick Crawl. I credit Nick Crawl greatly for this offseason because I think that's why Nick Martinez is here. I think he's gonna be able to help with the injury bug. That the Reds pitchers might get, and I get you can't really calculate injuries into your equations, right? Uh, when you're doing analytics, shout out, Evan, um, but they do happen. It's it's sports. It's human. It's it's human nature. And in a 162 game season, uh, God knows somebody's going to get hurt. But I, I do think uh, having a, a veteran starting pitcher like Nick Martinez is, is where. He's Martinez gonna, is he's definitely going to be. a starting, starting pitcher, right. but, I'm, but he's going to start games. I, I would bet. I would bet my life.
1: Like, can we walk through a little bit of what, what the Reds did, right? I, I think, in general terms, and this is where I'm going to, you know, you listen to this again later tonight. I think at nine thirty with Chatterbox Reds, if you want. But I think the Reds did something that I think is relatively important to think about, or, or at least acknowledge is they got some higher upside arms, and they know that. But they also know that with that high upside also comes the complete downside of not even being available at all. Nick Lodolo is one of those. Frankie Montas can be another one of those guys. And Hunter Green can be the other one. That's three guys that you could argue could go out, and again, this is, this is pie in the sky, okay? Bear with me. I'm not suggesting that they're going to have that great of a year, but you could argue that they're good enough to get Cy Young votes. Will they all get Cy Young votes? I'm not an idiot. I know that the answer is no. It's
2: Probably behind Frankie Montas, but yes.
1: But I would argue Frankie Montas has the ability to get Cy Young votes. He, like he has done it before. You're right. Maybe he can bottle that up for one year and he could do it again. It's it's. I get the point. But those three guys, those three yeah. guys, you could argue, could possibly get Cy Young votes. You could also argue those three guys will throw five innings. I don't know. Now that's that's not being fair. But let's say five games. What they did do though in preparation for that a little bit in my mind is they know in the back of their in the in the back they hope they don't have to do this but they know in the back they do have Nick Martinez that they signed who they in my opinion want to use as a reliever. They never signed Nick Martinez no matter what they say to be a starter. They knew in the back of their mind they could use him as a starter if things went the way they did last 100%. year, which is if things get really bad, we could use him if that's the case. They also know they have Connor Phillips, who, yes, did not throw maybe unbelievably great in his, in his short major league career so far, but they know that they have that high ceiling type of possibility if needed. They also know they have Brandon Williamson. So between all of them, they're hopeful that they've been able to solidify themselves and put themselves in a spot that they know if one guy does go down, that's okay. We have someone to plug and play. At the end of the day, this team is going to come down to the production and or lack thereof of where it is that these young guys are, being able, are, are going to be able to produce. Are they going to be able to replicate what they did last year? Are they going to be able to get better than what they did last year? I would argue that Matt McClain, if he replicates what he did last year, is going to be an unbelievably great baseball player for this franchise. I don't. If you could just replicate what he did in his rookie season over and over and over and over again, awesome player. I'd argue that Ellie De La Cruz's ceiling is significantly higher than what we've seen. Yes, he played great for a week and a half, but I also don't think he's as bad as he showcased at times last year. He is a guy, in my opinion, that could be the difference maker when it comes to, when you look at this young quarter, he has the most potential to be significantly better. I don't think I can say that about Spencer Steer. People take that as a shot at Spencer Steer. I don't think that you should take that as a shot at Spencer Steer. I think that just showcases, again, how great of a season Spencer Steer had last Fantastic year. Fantastic year. If Spencer Steer, okay, can even closely replicate what he did last year, he is a he's gonna be a great player for this franchise. And the good news is, is all these guys did this in their rookie season. So, you know, common thought process would be that they should be able to replicate that and or if not maybe even get better but it doesn't always go that way as we all know there's certainly flashes the plant flashes in the pan throughout major league baseball all the time guys come up they play great and then they just never can get it back it all comes down to those guys throw noelva in the mix throw tj friedel in the mix but again as a reminder the chances of all of those guys not pre- reproducing and or getting better isn't that high i'm just not going to be the one and again maybe i should because i'm trying to sell a product and i'm the part of chatterbox reds and i'm you certainly want you to be a part of the season ticket group this team could win the world series and they could win 70 games and I, either way, I would not be surprised.
2: Can I ask you this? What's 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 more likely? Did I tell you guys about my my, my bet that I made? Winning the I World think, Series is definitely I made a Reds win total bet. 100. percent Did I, you? I made a Reds total bet. I wonder oh, which that's way surprising. You, I, wonder, I wonder which way you did. A guy out in the headlines office started this conversation. He said, "Hey, Reed, I'll give you 95 wins. You taking the over or under on the Reds this year?" I almost broke my hand trying to shake his hand quick enough to take the under.
1: 95 <laughs> wins?
2: What are we talking about here? What are we talking about here?
1: Hey, do we have breaking news? Did UC Football just announce their schedule? That's oh, breaking Chuck. news. I know that you think that's not unbra- That's I, the news we're breaking? Uh, well, it's something. How can you uh, – no, hold on a minute that's the news we're going to break hold on a minute see this is where you dude they just this hired is a Bluffton beaver me, as their
0: defensive coordinator Let me get back to the reds we got we got the uh, schedule go, right. go
1: ahead say what you want to say about the reds i was going to
3: say i was going to ask you this when do i get to be excited about the reds if this year isn't it when's the
1: year you're allowed to be excited hold on let's be clear here well no it when, seems when like, did i say you
3: couldn't be excited i don't know it seems like it seems like there's a lot of negative energy no 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 no, no, no it no, no, seems no, like no, 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 over no, under no, playoff victories no, after this season you said under no, very
1: fast because Obvious. That's the value, Elliot. I mean, they've had two in the last Ellie. 35 years, and you're going to suggest to me they got to double it? Four and, four and here victories.
3: That means that correct. So I am I am predicting a series victory for the Reds. That, that is, is that is predicting I am, I am a and that victory, victory in a and then at
2: the very victory. least, going to Game Five of of the NLDS.
1: What? No, no, no. This is where you lose. That would me.
2: be you had to be winning the wild card, that's, winning your two games.
1: No, he's saying wins, 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 wins. Oh, so you'd
2: win two playoff series.
1: No, no, no. No, we already have two. We already have two. Reed's a lot smarter than me. He's just not listening.
2: Oh, so two going forward. You you, you have to win. On top of the two. Let me make this very simple. Will the Reds
1: win three playoff games or not?
2: I asked if they would win a playoff series. I thought you were asking if they would win four and a half playoff wins this year. No, 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 no. Well, you still take the under, but yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Well, how crazy... How I, I don't think it's that crazy, and I, and I guess that's just him being a, well, what if, a troll. Well, like, how do you how do you how do you laugh at the Pittsburgh Pirates and laugh at the Detroit Lions? I, I am and, the first.
3: And... I am the first person, and you know this. And the fact that you don't acknowledge it is sad. I'm the very first person to say how bad the Reds have been over the past 25 years. Yeah, no, no, I'm no. the very first person. I'm the, I'm the loudest. Well, maybe not the loudest. There are some of but those people. But then you outwardly talk <laughs> crap <laughs> about the Pirates. I do talk shit about the Pirates because the Pirates better. are a, the pirates are a joke. pirates have been better. The Pirates are a joke. The Pirates have been better. The Pirates are a joke. Are you going to say the Pirates aren't a joke? Well, like. Because if you're going to say the Reds are a joke, that's fine. And they have no, been I'm for 25 just, I'm years.
2: Just, you also have to say the Pirates have been a joke. Correct. But they've been better than the Reds.
3: Barely, but sure, yes, they have been. I'll admit they have been. I can't. I, I look at the numbers.
1: Can we? Can we? But I'm saying I have hope for this. Not red team the the let's not get lost in the sauce here. Let's not get lost in you sitting here suggesting I'm being negative. I'm not being negative. I am just pointing out that this is a very that that, that that's that's just being rational to me. That's just looking at your team and saying, okay, this, this is being rational. The thing that pisses me off the most about fandom in general is that you're allowed to get excited. Of course. That's the whole point of being a fan. The part where you you lose me and you piss me off is when you start acting like, I can't believe they only won 75 games this year. Get rid of David Bell. This franchise is going the wrong direction. This, This team's terrible. It's like, it can go both ways. And just because it goes one way a little bit doesn't mean that this team can't win the World Series. I think this core, if you're going to tell me that, let me ask you this, or not ask you, I'll tell you this. If you gave me the same odds, whatever you want to call it, will this core win more? Forget the three games. Will they win a playoff series? The answer is, without question, yes. I 100% believe that. Now, should that be the should that be the the crowning achievement of a young core that we're talking about right now is that they win one playoff series? Of course not. I think this team and this core when all said and done has a chance to win the World Series. I do believe that. I, I don't know when that might be, but over the course of the next 5-6 years, I think between what this and again, more it's more of a belief if anything, not even just in the players that we have right now, it's in what this th- Nick Crawl in that front office has been able to try to stack up together to get themselves in a position where they actually do have a nucleus this good. I don't think they've ever had a nucleus this good ever. You can go back to Joey Votto and Jay Bruce and and and, and the Hannigan days and all those guys. I don't believe that they've ever had a core group of players that are this good.
3: You're mean. I agree, with, was you. I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Trace. Joe what do Votto, you think? What do you think? Ryan Hannigan's underrated. What do you think the expectation is for I this group? I'd
1: take Ryan Hannigan right now.
3: What do you think the expectation is for this group? Playoffs? Playoffs? Is that the expectation, or is your expectation lower than that? Because I, I, I feel like the expectation
1: has to be playoffs. The expectation should be playoffs. That, that, that's well, that's Definitely. But I'm not – if they don't make the playoffs – so here's where I'm at. And I'm not, not – some people are like, oh, you're trying to hedge yourself and, and make yourself – you can't, on one hand, say they can win the World Series. On the other hand, when they win 70 games, you can say you're right both ways. I'm saying I'm ex- most excited about this season because no one can convince me that they should be anything. And if you want to set your expectations that they have to win a playoff series for you to think that this is a successful year – then you can do that. I'm suggesting though that you're, you're, you're setting yourself up a little bit for failure. You're writing the most expensive toy on the Christmas list and you're saying to yourself, if you don't get that toy, you're going to be upset about what you got for Christmas. Is that fair? I don't know. But I do know that you, you can't put yourself with blinders on right now and act like this team is 100% ready. I'm excited for what they are as, as just of, they are a young core. They are a young group. And I think that you're going to have some players that rise up and they prove that they are major league caliber. They are guys, they are dudes. And you know what? Going into 2025, we know what we have This ain't No, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't uh, speculation anymore. We know that Noel Marte is a dude. We know that Matt McLean is a dude. We know that Ellie is going to be great at X, Y, and Z. Now, people obviously scoff at the idea of he'll move him moving to the outfield. But again, if this guy might end up being one of the best defensive shortstops in the next 10 years, it might be laughed about in 10 years about how the idea of people want to move him to the outfield. It might also turn into a situation like a Tatis Jr. where you move him to the outfield because it just fits your team better and a chance to win a World Series because you have someone else that's coming up that you think is better defensively at shortstop and or you move Matt McClain there and you have an opportunity to move someone to second base. Whatever it is, I'm just saying I'm excited because we don't know. It's the start of a great, what I think is a great series. If I told you you could restart your favorite TV series like you've never watched it before, how excited would you be? Now I get you could say that this series is going to end up sucking, and the third and fourth and fifth seasons never lived up to the first season. But we've seen one season of this young core, and it started off hot. Now they didn't make the postseason, yes, but I got news for you: Reds baseball itself has not been this exciting in a long time. So to me, so, so if I'm sitting here trying to put off vibes that that you shouldn't be excited and that there's going to be, it's quite the opposite. I'm just saying, let's not. And I get it. And and, and listen, gatekeeping as a fan is stupid in and of itself. You fan however you want to fan. I'm just saying, don't come running back to me and yelling and screaming about how this plan is a failure. If this young group of, of rookies doesn't go to the playoffs for the first time since what? 2020, really? Do we want to count that? I guess we can. But 2013 with a one game playoff or 2012, which is the exact last time they actually made the postseason and your expectation is to have them do something that none of those teams before them ever did a bunch of guys in their second year in the big leagues or maybe even can still consider it a rookie if they don't do what hasn't been done since when 1990 what 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 is it i really genuinely don't even know like hasn't five, hasn't unless. been well, has it hasn't been since i've been alive long enough to be able to actually see it which is sad right yeah, on my birthday, my thirty-fifth birthday, I can genuinely sit here and say I have not watched the Reds advance in the postseason ever. They're gonna argue, well, they won the World Series when you were one, Trace. Yeah, they they they, they did, and I didn't have a clue. And they 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 went <laughs> they they advanced in the postseason when you were what five, Trace? Yeah. yeah, they did, and I don't remember any of it. Didn't have a clue. The first moment of my life where I actually got into the Reds was when they had Greg Vaughn, 98, 99, uh, in 1999, and they and they won like what 100 damn games. And Major League Baseball is so stupid back then that you didn't even make the postseason. You had a one-game playoff, I think, against or a, a one-game to see who got in. I think, if I remember right, this is all just eight, nine, ten-year-old wow. Trace. Um, and I believe, if history reminds me or whatever, they lost to the Mets and the chance to get in the postseason.
2: Yeah, it was what David Cone. So
1: my life has not been all that uh, filled with, with playoff success. And by God, I understand the people that are screaming and yelling and saying that it's our time, we're tired of waiting. And by God, you're right. We are tired of waiting. But I'm not going to put that much pressure on this many young players to sit there and say you need to do something that all of these teams weren't weren't capable of doing if they if let me say this it would be a it would be a significant failure if this team won 75 or less games i do think that you can put that floor on it but if this team wins 80 games again i would be very disappointed yes but i wouldn't say i was shocked and it wouldn't be because it wouldn't it wouldn't be because Injuries and that, it would largely just be because I don't know what what some of these guys will end up being. And if they all end up being great, then we won't. we win a World Series.
3: That's fair. That's fair. I, I I would say that if they win if they win under seventy five games, there's an issue. Clearly. But I do think, as a positive fan, uh, everybody knows I'm the most positive Reds Correct. fan. Correct. If we're able to make the postseason, or at least be competitive, I mean, last year we it was basically a playoff series every game for the last two weeks of the season. You wouldn't know that because nobody came to the games, but it was. I mean, really, for for against against every team for the last several weeks of the season was playoff time. I want that. I just want that again. I think they can. I think they'll be good enough to win a playoff series. Uh, Reed thinks the Reds will win four games and be is terrible. That true? That's uh, not true. That is true. That's what you think. And that's what you've Someone told asked
2: me. asked me if I thought they would win more than 95 games. I said no.
3: Okay. Well, uh, I, I, I'm just trying to keep a positive outlook on this team. But I at, listen, some, but at keep, some point. You should. Some, you should keep that. At some point, And this is what Mr. Most says in the chat. And I agree with him. At some point, when you have failure after failure after failure, and then repeat that for 25 more times. It beats you up it kills you it and you, you see it, you get a little glimmer of hope like last year gave us yeah. and then for this year to win 78 games it would it would it would kill me it's can i
1: give you me. an analogy that's why that's why people I'd tune love, into I'd this love an that's analogy. why they tune into off the bench with trace fowler
3: i'd love an analogy Bucky.
1: it's it's similar to having a a love life that did that that's really never gone the right way in whether you whether you've gotten cheated on whether you've been mistreated it leaves a mark the history that this franchise has left on guys of our age has without question left a mark in the way in which we perceive them. And, that it, it, and it showcases itself obviously at times with, with you and me at times, maybe privately, is that you get frustrated because they're not where you would like them to be because you've waited so long. But that doesn't mean that that's their problem. It's not Matt McLean, Spencer Steer, Frankie Montas, Hunter Green, Nick LaDolo, Ellie de la Cruz, TJ Friedel's fault that they haven't been to the playoffs and haven't won a series in 25 whatever years it's been. And that's a hard thing to wrestle with at times because you want to put the expectation on that they should go and win a playoff series this year. But the reality is when you strip it all back and you look at it for just what it is, you start to you start to realize that really... This is a lot of young players that have, that that really, well, put it this way. If they made the postseason, how many of our players would have a single game of postseason experience? Has
3: Condolario done it? I don't
1: think Uh, so.
2: No, he played for the, well, he He played played
3: for the Tigers. he, He
2: played on the 2016 Cubs, but I don't think he was on the playoff roster. Um, he played for the Tigers and wasn't with the Nationals when they won Frankie, the World Series. Frankie, Frankie, no. Frankie Montas, I no. think he pitched for the Athletics when they won the West back in like 2021.
1: You might be right about that. So I, think he, I he don't pitched, keep up with the AL West.
2: The, I think he pitched for the Athletics when they made the postseason.
1: But point is, is uh, point is, is how many? I pulled it up. It's 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 genuinely going to be like an absurdly ridiculous number. So then when you start to when you start to use that as a somewhat of information available to you, 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 you just, it just seems like a big, tall ask. Frankie. But when you watch him win 12 games in a row and you watch the way that Ellie, the Cruz is capable of playing and McLean and Friedel. And if you're, if you have a healthy Lodolo and you have a healthy Hunter green and Frankie Montas backs bounces back a little bit and you have a guy, um, again, that you could say whatever you want, but Diaz has been pretty damn good on the back end of the bullpen is he somebody that drops off? I got, I hope not. But it's a concern of mine, if we're being honest. But at the end, at the end of it all, point is is that this team is capable of doing it. They are.
2: Frankie Montas has pitched in three postseason games. He has thrown six point two third two mm-hmm. six oh, and two thirds oh. innings pitched. Okay, he's given up seven earned runs.
1: Gotcha. Well, that means you know what that means. Damn. That means it's analytically, them. he's due to throw the ball well in the postseason. That is exactly. What that's that exactly means. what that means, and that's Nick what Martinez this show has been all along. Classic. We we stick and we discuss what the probabilities are. Um,
2: Nick Martinez has pitched a lot in the postseason.
1: So a bunch of guys they've added. I mean, but 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 the core group of people that we're depending on to get this done, it's going to be a big goose egg. literally a a goose egg like that's not hyperbole that's zero games played in the postseason which i've never been more excited i'm so damn excited that i'm more than likely gonna drive 26 hours to go watch them play non-meaningful baseball games the question is is how excited are you elliot
3: i'm very excited i'm the most excited i've been and that's what i'm concerned about i already have bet the reds win total over uh, of course you did. I've already bet a Reds World Series future, so yeah, I, I, I'm I'm very 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 excited about the Reds. I think there is a strong possibility that they advance in the postseason, and I would like to be there. I would like I would like to be a part of that. I think that would be my favorite thing ever. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm high on the Reds. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust them. Apparently, Sean Connor in the chat's been saying, and, and Trace would know all about Sean Connor. But Sean Connor's been saying there's a very tough stretch of the schedule from April to June. So the Reds have to take advantage of, of their schedule early, I guess, is what he's saying. Um, Got to stay competitive. Say that again? Sean Connor said what? He said the schedule's brutal from April to June.
1: Gotcha. So you're saying that they just need to kind of tread water. They had to tread
3: water for the first several months.
1: This team, this franchise has had a tough time the last few years of getting off to a decent start. I mean, that's uh, off the top of my head. When was the last time? This is where I can make a fool of myself because a hand in the air. I, I had not followed, certainly like Nick has and, and probably even you and many of the people that obviously would would, would sit behind a microphone and talk into it. They would, they, would be, they would have watched a lot more Reds baseball from 2010 to 2022 than I have. I've, I did not watch a whole lot, if we're being completely honest. Um, doesn't mean I wasn't doing anything. Doesn't mean I didn't care about the Reds, but I was a casual fan at that point in my life. Um, was playing myself at times, and then whatever. So I don't remember that whole stretch. Yes, I was at every single game in 2012. Uh, in fact, in 2012, if I remember right, I think we, uh, I might have had like a weekend package or something to to go down there when I could. But when was the last time they even won like opening day?
3: Opening day has been bad too. Let me, let me
2: look. Derek Dietrich hit that home run. I covered that game for the Van York Times Bulls. Hell yeah. That would have been 2019. 2019?
1: Is that really the last time they've won I know they day?
2: won that day. I know they won that day.
1: And obviously opening day, watch it, watch it be like two years ago or something. There was the Ramon
3: Hernandez game. Of course. Um, Someone in the chat's going to know.
1: 2019 Alex Wallace. He's on it.
3: 2019. It's just like if this team. 59 and 66 on opening day. Say it again. 59 and 66 yeah. on opening day. It's a
2: holiday you're in this town.
3: I mean, opening day
1: is great, and I think we will have uh, we will have some Chatterbox Reds uh, news for opening day tonight. Um, funny. So Trace, my favorite that.
2: My favorite thing is when you're not like because you said you did not watch the Reds not a lot, for, no. for a decade. My favorite is when guys that like played for the Cardinals for like eight years come up and like like Paul DeYoung and stuff like Correct. that: Correct. Dejong uh, yeah, uh, Randall Grichik. Yes, and I <laughs> never played MLB
1: The Show. I don't play. I have not played MLB The Show since I was in college. So it's not like I've even had a chance to see ninety-five percent right. of the people that play in Major League Baseball. I've not seen.
2: Oh, they won in twenty twenty-two. Did, so
1: did we
3: tie? Did we tie an opening day? Is that possible? Or am I looking at
1: the wrong thing here? I'm sure. Was the that days
2: before lights?
1: What What year are you talking?
2: This
3: can't be right.
1: It says the Brewers. What year? Give me the year.
3: Uh, Two thousand.
1: Was that that wasn't the situation with the passing away?
2: Oh yeah, that was when the guy died. Oh, that's right.
3: Yeah, so it was tied. Okay, so since then the Reds. Let me do some quick
1: math. oh
2: they won in 2022. You remember? Did you see what the boys did in Atlanta?
1: 45, 45. <laughs> that, that's a good joke. Did you I see like what that. Boys one. did in Atlanta.
2: <laughs> that was a good one. S-
1: I can't wait for the day we can all just laugh about that. That's funny.
2: Can the Did you see what the boys did in Atlanta? The Support
1: Reds are six and ten.
3: The Reds are six and ten on opening day since two thousand eight.
2: Can Can we throw back up that that uh, playoff wins since twenty since two thousand? Because I know you you mentioned the Royals, but what team surprised you the most other than the Reds only winning two? Let's see. Um. Throw so that back up there. Because I would argue The Angels
3: winning twenty one well they won a World Series. I know, but I, I
2: well they won if, a World Series, but
3: I know, but it's if like you win so a World wild.
2: Series that's a minimum eleven games
1: that you've won. Can you see that read Yeah,
2: I I would say it's gotta be the twins, right? The twins have made the postseason ten times.
1: Are you asking Listen. who the most disappointing team is?
2: No, I'm saying which is the most surprising team in in terms of playoff wins.
1: Uh Minnesota.
2: Minnesota have made yeah, the postseason Min- 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 ten times. Listen,
1: everybody wants to talk about how bad it is to be a Cincinnati sports fan. And, and I've said every single time I hear that. Minnesota has had, by far, now they've, the worst of all time. They've not won anything, guys. They won two two World Series in the last 30 years, but... They've not won did, anything. Did the Timberwolves do anything in my lifetime. The Minnesota fan base has not won anything. Yeah, they won. No, they did not win a, They 92. did not win an NBA championship. They watched the guy that they that they had grow up go to Boston and That's say right. anything is possible, and they in the middle of the floor. That's like, like, right. could you imagine? Again, this is. A bit, I'm not trying to scar us, but could you imagine Joe Burrow or someone like that playing in his NFL career for like 10 years and then being like, oh, I got to go to. I'm going to go to Tampa or something or wherever, and he wins the, wins the damn Super Bowl, and he's yelling in the middle of the field, anything is possible. Like, that has to be excruciating if you're a Minnesota listen, fan.
2: Listen to these This last 19 years as a Minnesota Twins fan. In 2006, they win 95 games, win the AL Central. They have the Cy Young winner in Johan Santana and the MVP winner in Justin Morneau. They get swept in the ALDS. In 2009, they win 87 games. Joe Maurer wins the MVP. They get swept in the ALDS. The next year they win 95 games, once again win the AL Central. They get swept in the ALDS. They then go to 2017, they make the wild card game, they lose the wild card game. In 2019, they win 101 games. They break the home run team record. Every single guy that starts on that team hit at least 20 home runs. They had two catchers hit 20 home runs that year. They win 101 games. They get swept in the ALDS. Hmm. They then go in, in the in the COVID year. They get I mean, They swept had a first ballot World Hall Day. of Famer too. They did have Joe Maurer during that time. That's right. And Johan Santana should be in the Hall of Fame. Crazy. I mean, they the, they, they made the postseason seven straight times and did not win a game.
1: A game. Uh, do we have a cherry on top? If we don't, um, I'll let you guys stir around and find one before we well, get there. I just wanted to. Um, I, but, I, Really quickly, we'll yeah. make that the cherry on top. We'll make that the cherry on top right there. But here's the thing the last thing I want to say about the Cincinnati Reds here before we before we uh end the show, and I'm gonna let, Elliot, I'll let you say something right after this. Yeah. Um, is the most exciting thing that I that I am excited about with the Reds is this. And again, probably regurgitate all this stuff on Chatterbox Reds. The catcher spots probably the one that I can't do this with. But every other position. You could convince me that who we have playing that position could make the all-star game. Now, some is a little more stretched than others. But that's what excites me the most. And you could even convince me, I guess, and maybe if I went and got a couple uh, light beers in me and maybe a couple fireballs, maybe you could convince me the catcher spot. Maybe the, the catcher spot could be an all-star too. And I hope to God I'm wrong about it. I hope to God I am wrong about Tyler. I, I, he, he's – three years ago, if you told me who was going to be a great player for the Reds franchise, I would have said Tyler. And that's what's scary as hell. You say and that's you'd what's scary have, as hell.
2: You saying you'd rather have Ryan Hannigan over Tyler Stevenson was a little goofy, I think. Tyler Stevenson had a massively disappointing season last year.
1: Yeah, I just I watch. his
2: OPS plus is is, is significantly higher than mine. That's Ryan, cool. You're Ryan talking about gets... hitting.
1: I, I hitting's all cool. That's great and all, but well, you know as sometimes know... as a catcher you have to catch the fucking ball. Excuse oh. Oh.
2: Yeah, you can't cuss on this show. <laughs> that's tough.
1: Well, I, uh, FCC regulations.
3: I guess you're getting older. You know, what they say when you get older. What do they say? You start to lose your brain.
1: <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You know, 5
3: years from 40. Yeah,
1: 15 years from 50. How about that? What do you think?
3: I just wanted to be the first to wish you a happy birthday.
1: Thank you, Elliot. You have been the first, and I'm sure you won't be the last. <laughs> um yeah. time. Turn, the, turn the show off if, if that offended you. And sorry for those <laughs> that t- sorry if that if that uh if that you know went across the airwaves and you were listening with your kids. I we, do genuinely apologize for we that. We bleeped it out. We bleeped it out. Yeah, we bleeped it out, right. Um But you gotta catch the ball if you're a catcher. And I just want my catcher to catch the ball consistently and throw guys out consistently and when I say consistently like league average and it? if there's a strike or a borderline strike I want to get the call are, as a strike
2: we are getting closer and closer to defensive catchers not being as important
1: that's fine if they want to go to the whole robo system and catchers don't matter at all you just have to like genuinely literally catch the ball cool at that point I'll care but when I'm when it's a when it's a 1-1 count and there's a pitch made and it was a good pitch, and my catcher back there look like he's on roller skates, and he, and he doesn't catch the ball relatively fluidly at all, and it's a ball, it really irritates me. I'm tired of watching it. All right. Cherry on Top, presented by United Dairy, Dairy Farmers. Farmers. <laughs> It's the Bearcat schedule. Heck yeah, look at that. UC football, everybody is fired up about it. Uh, Bearcat bash. The reason the reason that I knew that this came out is because I seen on my phone, at the top of the thing, I got an email back from uh, Cincinnati.oh.gov, which means it said open counter portal. There was a permit submitted. My man, I'm assuming Kirby, is on it. On it. Because they must have announced the schedule. We had a uh, we, we had the permit submitted for uh, homecoming, I assume, is the plan. Which we'll find out right now if we got that right. I don't even know if they've announced their homecoming date. But we were. I think we're just assuming it's probably October 19th, considering that's when most homecomings would be. But there's the schedule. For those that are listening in podcast form, I'm going to do my best. It's hard to read from here, so Casey might have to take it away if I start struggling. But on August... Uh, is that thirty first, Casey? That's yep. correct. Uh, they play Towson. Big time Towson. That should be one and zero. You want you want to play this game with me, Elliot? One and zero. They then host the Pit Panthers on Saturday, September seventh. One and one. They then go to Jaeger Stadium. They I don't even know if that will Yager be a stadium. stadium. Is that going to be, be is that pay is pay that for. Paul Brown or what? I'll probably be at Paycor. Oh, pay I, pay I I even dropped a Paul Brown. Yeah. My apologies to Paycor. So, you know,
3: this is the second this is the second weakest schedule in all of college football.
1: This is the second What? Weakest. Schedule. Weakest? Okay, got yeah, it. I believe oh, that I believe that is what five, I read of the
3: Power 5. Okay. No, well, anyways, uh September 14th,
1: Miami RedHawks on the road at Paycor Stadium. They then host Houston the very next week, September 21st, they then go on the road to Texas Tech, followed by on the road to UCF. At this point, Elliot, what's the record? Uh, What game are you at? UCF. UCF. Six games in, halfway through the year. One and five. Let's
2: go to Orlando, (laughs) road game.
1: (laughs) I still have that, like, I still have that uh, semi-mucus going in the throat here. So every time I laugh sometimes, it just sounds like literally just straight smoker. Um, never smoked a cig in my life. According to 247 Sports. Never, they never smoked a cigar either in yeah. my life. And I will smoke a cigar if they make the postseason. From the Dominican Republic. I did grab some <laughs> better, cigars better when I was keep there. That
2: hydrated, According the to seven
1: keep that hydrated. I'll, I According to 247. Better keep that I have a humidor. According to 247
3: Sports, UC has the easiest schedule in college football. Okay, so the
1: easiest schedule in, in college five, football. And you have them true. starting the season off 1-5. Great. How Good to know where your vibes are. Uh, really quickly to round this out, they will be, uh, I assume, a homecoming game on October 19th against Arizona State. And then they go on the road to play the old Deion Sanders we go? fighting buffs.
2: I can get his tickets for free.
1: <laughs> yeah, I bet you can. That's October 26th. They then host West Virginia. And I have no idea what that says there underneath West Virginia. TBD. What does that say?
3: TBD. TBD.
1: Determined. Why would it be TBD? Uh,
3: because the Big
2: 12 might have a midweek game or something like that.
1: Ah, uh, uh, okay. TBD. Friday, Saturday or something. Goofy, it says right? Thursday or Friday.
0: Thursday or Friday. November 7th or November 8th is the determined date.
1: Damn, that's terrible. Playing football on Thursday or Friday? Not good. All right. They round the schedule out on the road, Iowa State, and then they go to Kansas State, and they have TCU to finish the year off at home. So that is your schedule uh, of the UC Bearcats, Casey. Good job right there on that uh, on the old uh, cherry on top. I like how you—that's the worst. That's that the
3: worst football schedule in all of America. So, c- feel free to get excited.
1: Would you like to tell the people one more time what it is? I just the there's easiest.
3: no
2: way that's true. You're telling me a team like Northern Illinois who plays—it's true
1: because the league.
2: It's the it, it's probably the easiest. But I think it's because, power conference but it's schedule. Those, but there's no way a team in the WAC plays a harder schedule that's not
1: power 5. I thought you, he he said power 5, he right? He said
2: no, easiest cut, the easiest schedule in college football. I think it's I, I I this is what I've been told.
1: This is speculative now. I I, I would be there's listen, no way a max yeah, school or
3: a
2: Wax school is playing a harder schedule than a team in the Big 12. We only Correct. play one top
3: 25 team. I don't know what the I I all those worst all those terrible teams usually play somebody good.
2: Hawaii isn't playing 12 games like my UC's playing.
1: Let's find it. It's got to be Power 5, and if it's Power 5, that it's makes sense. It's clearly Power 5. It's what power are we talking five. about? It's Power 5. I mean, who cares if it is or if it isn't? At Miami's the end of the day, hardest it's just,
2: schedule, hardest games it's UC against UC.
1: football, and hopefully they can find a way to bounce back. Satterfield and the boys, they got to figure out a way to win five or six games next year, or else, or else he probably is let go. I know that sounds crazy to say only two years in, but if he doesn't win five games next He'll year... he get three years. You think so? I don't think yeah, so. I think he if he wins, like, three games next year, it's... Cut your losses. Crazy thing is, is Satterfield in six years could have the best team in in, in in the Big 12. And it wouldn't shock me either. It's like, he's one of those hires that's not flashy, of course. But if he's able to kind of right the ship and get his guys, and maybe he's a... Um, again, he came into a situation, let's be at least fair to Satterfield, that wasn't great. The cupboard was bare. He came in late. He did his best to, to, to rectify a situation as, as best as he could. He got some transfer quarterbacks. None of them were very good. I'm not judging him until the end of the season. He's got to win five games. If you have the easiest schedule in the Power Five and you don't win five games, that's a lot. All right, Tom will be back here tomorrow. Um, we have Shatterbox Reds tonight, 930 And outside of those two things, I don't know what else to tell you other than have a great rest of your day. My apologies on the swear word. I'm sure I'll get an email about it. And uh, I can't tell you how immensely sorry that I am. I'll see you at 930. And if I don't see you then, I'm sure I'll see you again. But until then, have a great life.